0: What's up, everybody? It is Thursday, and it's uh, it's Parker Thune's birthday. You can wish him happy birthday today on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. That would be very nice of you, 405-651-3439, and uh, we're, we're thinking that Parker is uh, 17 years old today. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you
1: what, Mike, I was very impressed with the fact that you all knew it was my birthday when I walked in, because, like, that's not something I go, like, generally that's something I keep out of the public eye, but... I tell you what, I walk in and everybody's happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. Is Nothing there,
0: gets past the vineyards. That I know. They're they're very good people. That's what they are. They're very good people. So you're not uh, one of those people who go on social media and say, like, Oh my gosh, it's my birthday month. No. No, I'm I'm definitely I'm the farthest
1: thing from a birthday month person. What do you think about the people who advertise their birthday? Is that cool?
0: I guess you can do it on your birthday, right? I mean, I guess if you have a reason to advertise it. See, I don't like calling attention to my birthday either, and I really don't want anything because then I don't have room for anything.
1: (laughs) I know, I feel you on that. My family will always ask me every single year, "What do you want for your birthday this year?" I'm like, I I I don't know. I know. I'll probably know better
0: than I do what I need. It's such a departure from when you were a kid, man. I know. You just were counting down the days. Oh, my gosh, this is going to be awesome. Or Christmas. You know, you're thinking about you know, the the score you're going to get for Christmas. Now people ask me, what do you want for Christmas? Eh, I don't need anything. Seriously. I just enjoy other people watch, uh, watching them open their presents. I just, I, number one, again, uh, if you want to give me cold, hard cash, that's fine. I'll I'll accept that. Or a piece of MasterCard, whatever. <laughs> but if you want to give me anything, I don't have room for it. I just don't have room for it. So that's kind of how I roll with it. But happy birthday to you. What are you going to do uh, exciting for your birthday besides this show? Oh, gosh. Well, I, uh, that's the other thing, too, is like once
1: you – once I, at least in my case, once I got to college, birthdays became a whole lot less exciting. Now, my 21st was kind of an event, and – my best friends got about two dozen people or so together and uh, we all went out to eat uh, one I, I think it was a Monday yeah it must have been a Monday night because uh, at the time we all of course were still in the college of journalism and me and my buddies were all tied up in the production of uh, the syndicated sports program over there and so we produced the show on monday evening and then afterwards we all went out to pub w over on the west side of norman there you go just spent a few hours there but that's about as much pomp and circumstance as i have had for a birthday since i went off to college
0: you know i have found that adults birthday parties has become a lot more prevalent it used to be a big celebration for a kid right like a kid's birthday party and you'd get all the props and everything and people would get the cake and the party favors and the kid has his birthday party you know what created uh the onslaught of adult birthday parties what's that facebook (laughs) oh boy here we go (laughs) Facebook and these events that people invite you to all the time. I don't want to go. You can invite me, but I don't want to go. I'm just telling you right now. Because for a while, it became an event, like two or three events every week. It's like, oh, my gosh. Seriously? If you have Facebook, you know, leading your social life, and you don't even really like Facebook, that's a big problem. And it was that way for a while. It was like, are you serious? Oh, my gosh. No, I don't want to go. It's always a toss-up
1: on any given day whether Mike's going to start railing on Mule Shoe or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Usually, the safe money's on Mule Shoe.
0: Is Mule Shoe on Facebook? Now that would be really <laughs> problematic. Very problematic. Speaking of uh, Oklahoma football, I, I just these national guys, the Cover Three podcast, and we talked about this a little bit, um, you know, the other day, but still. And this was Tom Fornelli, right? Danny Cannell's on that podcast, correct? Cover three? Yes, I believe and, so. And uh, But I, I don't get – I'm not sitting here thinking they need to say Brent Vittables is going to be the Knicks, the Nick Saban of the next 10 years and Oklahoma's going to win multiple national championships. I don't expect that. But I don't expect to hear like this where they say that Brent Vittables just isn't uh, at all an exciting hire.
2: About what Lincoln Riley has done, I think kind of speaks to how they feel about the hire too, because Brent Venables is a great defensive coordinator and he has been for a very long time. I have absolutely no questions that he's going to come in and that defense is going to be good. It is going to be well coached. It's going to be aggressive. It's going to be all that fun stuff, but he's never been at the head of the table. He's never been in charge of the program. And I just don't know how that's going to go so i think that this has he has a chance to be you know one of those three stars that becomes an nfl all pro player that everybody see the graphics like nobody believed in this guy out of high school they only gave him you know made him one of the top 10 percent players in the world but like i just think that there's also a chance that this is kind of like a rebound more than anything like okay well we, we got to get the guy we know won't leave us we got to get the guy we know is loyal to us
0: All right, maybe I buy part of that to an extent, but what I I don't buy is, again, Oklahoma's history of hiring uh, assistant coaches. Bob Stoops wasn't a sexy hire, but he was a great hire. Um, Barry Switzer may not have been the sexiest hire back when Chuck Fairbanks went to the Patriots, but guess what? He ended up with three national championships and a bunch of wins. Bud Wilkinson, again, all the sooner coaches who have won national championships were hired as assistants. So again, do I did Oklahoma win the press conference? In my opinion, they did. But it's about more than winning the press conference. It's about preparing you for the path that you're about to take again to the SEC. Now, Parker, maybe I, I'm going to raise my hand and plead guilty because I have been very bitter. I admit it. I need to move on. I haven't yet. Hopefully I will. But a lot of us are still, you know, trolling Mule Shoe, talking about Mule Shoe. And that's led some of these national people to believe that the hurt feelings are because, oh, my gosh, we lost this incredible coach and all the things he did for us. We'll never get a five-star quarterback again. And that's all BS. Again... Oklahoma fans are upset because they think he did OU football wrong, the way that he left. It's not that they're pining for, oh, my gosh, Lincoln, come back, please. This program was in great hands. And I'm not saying that Lincoln Riley didn't do a good job. He did do a good job to a certain extent. But when you're talking about making this move and the transition the program needs to make physically, particularly on defense – and just the way you go about your business. Who's done the best job out there of any other program in college football looking like a top flight SEC program? Clemson, right? Well, if you're looking at teams outside the SEC, yes, it's
1: absolutely Clemson. I mean, you if you can didn't say, know better, I'd mean,
0: say Ohio State maybe, but I still think defensively Clemson's been better overall. I guarantee you the vast majority of casual
1: college football fans that aren't in tune with conference alignment. Would recognize Clemson as an SEC team based on geography, based on their success over the past decade, and based on their style of football. Brent Venables is tailor-made for the SEC. I mean, tailor-made. That makes no sense to me. The narrative that Brent Venables isn't going to be prepared for the SEC. Mm-hmm. I understand if you get. I, I I understand if your opinion is that it's not an exciting hire because sure, first-time head coach. You could have gone and made a splashier acquisition, but at the end of the day, you're talking about arguably the most successful coordinator on either side of football at the collegiate level over the past 2 decades. So I understand it's not an exciting hire, but I don't know how much better of a hire you could have made.
0: And who all would things have been considered. who would have been an exciting hire? Uh Lane Kiffin, right? You win the press conference. Yeah, do you want Lane Kiffin? I'd rather have Brent Venables than Lane Kiffin, and I think Lane Kiffin's all right. I I enjoy him on Twitter. I think he's a decent football coach, but I'd much rather have Brent Venables. So, again, if you want to win the press conference, and I think here Brent absolutely won the press conference big time. I thought it was great. Did they see him when he landed at the airport? Because, uh, you know, the opinion is, and do you buy any of that theory that the Oklahoma fans have come after Lincoln Riley and, uh, you know, him going to USC so hard that people have this misguided perception that the Oklahoma fans are so hurt because they lost this incredible coach. I think that's what a lot of the national people think. I think basically here's the way I look at it,
1: Mike. Those of us that have an up-close-and-personal look at the Oklahoma football program day in and day out understand – how it all went down, and we have the best and most accurate perception of not only the way that he departed, but the month or so that led up to it. I'm not sure the national media is cognizant of the fact that Lincoln Riley basically danced around the truth for a month and said without explicitly saying that I'm staying at Oklahoma, I'm not going anywhere, and I really don't think they know the reality that he told many of his recruits that that he straight-up lied to their faces, that he said, I'm not going anywhere. I will be at the University of Oklahoma. That, I think, is lost on them. Yeah. I think they just see it at face value. They say, oh, you know what? Riley got tired of whatever situation he was in at Oklahoma, wanted a new challenge out in the Pac-12, gets an opportunity to make a lot more money, and resurrect a dormant powerhouse in USC. I think when you look at it at face value, It's easy to understand, or I guess it's easy to perceive, that Oklahoma fans are a little bit salty and rubbed the wrong way about the whole ordeal. But I think when you have a deeper understanding of the way that it all happened and what transpired in the weeks leading up to the departure, then it becomes a little bit more clear that, you know what, no, Oklahoma fans probably have a right to feel the way that they do.
0: Yeah, and look, it makes sense. They're not close to the program. They're on the outside looking in, so they don't have the perspective and the day-to-day you know, uh, dealings with Sooner players, Sooner assistant coaches – or the head coach, so I get that. But some of this is just lazy. Like this comment right here, Brent Venables isn't ready for the SEC, really? I, now that I think about it, like Oklahoma
2: moving to the SEC probably does impact the way I view that hire because I just don't know if Venables is going to be able to take the Sooners into the SEC and really compete from the start. Whereas I think Marcus Freeman at Notre Dame is probably going to continue having a lot of success. Right. Okay,
1: that's because Marcus Freeman doesn't have a conference affiliation. That's right. Exactly. Now listen. Right. I agree. Marcus Freeman is going to be really successful at Notre Dame. Yeah, I like that hire. But what, like, what is the suggestion? What's the inference there? Is it that I
0: think that they you, were talking about uh, the head coaches going into their first year? The new hires is where that came from. That was the perspective uh, that they, he was uh, alluding to there. I think, but just the part where he says, I, "I don't know that Brent Venables is ready to take them into the SEC." Like I, like I said, Clemson has basically been an SEC team playing in the ACC. So, I I don't know why they would have that take and that uh, opinion, but they do. Some of them do. That's just crazy to me. My I guess my
1: question is, who would you rather have had if you were Joe Castiglione, the Oklahoma athletic director? And I'm a, I'm asking this to Tom Fernelli as well as anyone else that's dissing the Brent Venables hire. If you were in Joe Castiglione's shoes. What's a better hire that you could have made? I would love to know that. I would love to know who they would have taken over Brent Venables. Yeah, because I, I don't
0: think we've heard anybody answer that question. No, right? and I,
1: th- I, I mean, t- ten minutes after Lincoln Riley, or I guess after the news hit that Lincoln Riley was going to USC, I remember getting on the phone with a coworker and being like, "All right, well, I guess they go after Brent Venables now." I mean, it was blatantly obvious that not only was he the best candidate for the job, but he also was going to be Joe Kostiklians. First call in all
0: likelihood, and he was. Yeah, it's uh, to me again, and, you know, we played the previous clip where they were talking about, oh, I guess the OU fans just want somebody who's going to stick around for a while. Yes, yes, they do, but they want somebody who's going to be a high-quality head coach doing the right things, having some integrity and some class, not being a paranoid at, uh, you know, Mr., uh, you know, the media's out to get me, you know, all that stuff. They want a guy that they can trust also, who's a a good candidate. And Brent was a great candidate. And uh, like I said, I'm not sitting here telling you that Brent Venables is just going to win the conference next year when they go to the SEC. Guess what, Nick Saban, you're in big trouble. But again, when you're headed down this path to a tougher road, Uh, you need a tougher team, and I think you have uh, more of a defensive-minded head coach who hired a really good offensive coordinator, and that, to me, is the recipe that you need. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, thank you to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Great company, great Sooner, Tim Lasher. They'll do a great job for you. They're sponsoring our first hour here. Steel Man and Thune of the Ref Radio Network, the home of Sooner fans. Let's come back, talk a little hoops when we return here on the Ref. Actually, the numbers nine seven eight seven last night, as in Texas Tech beating the Sooner women at the LNC ninety seven to eighty seven. Fifteenth ranked Oklahoma falls to nine and four in the league. Game behind uh, Texas and Iowa State now, right? Skylar Van 17-16 for Maddie Williams. But Texas Tech wins the game. Big game for the Sooner women, just like the men coming up this weekend. The men will play at Iowa State. And uh, that's a 1 o'clock tip-off. And then the uh, Sooner women will play Iowa State at 6 o'clock at Hilton Coliseum. So uh, two big matchups for uh, the OU men and then the Sooner women Later at night, we'll talk more about the men's matchup coming up here in a minute. Let's hear from Jenny Baranchek last night as the uh, OU women again fall at home, ninety-seven to eighty-seven. Here is uh, Jenny on the loss from last Honestly, night. Honestly,
3: Texas Tech, I thought did an incredible job. I mean, they controlled the game from the tip, and we we need to be better. We need to be ready, and that's on that's on us as coaches to be able to really have our team prepared. And I'm disappointed in a in a variety of things obviously the rebounding um our fouling and yes you have to credit them they've got a, a great basketball team and at the same time i'm just i'm really disappointed in in myself and and in us for just not having us ready
0: well, that was a surprise last night because uh, Tech has not had a good uh, season overall. Unranked, ten and 14, 3 and ten in the league. Yet, I guess you know even really good basketball teams, and the Sooner women are a good basketball team. They've had a great season. They're twenty and five on the year, and again, they are nine and four in the league. But sometimes you throw a clunker out there, and I guess this was that one, right, Parker last night. And again, that that happens. That
1: happens at times for basketball teams. We see I mean Baylor, the former number 1 overall team in the country, they laid quite an egg last night against the Texas Tech men's team. Yeah. So again, it's one of those things where it's it's the game of basketball, Mike. Sometimes the shots don't fall. Sometimes you're just not in sync. Games like this happen, and they happen for everybody. Teams that can go an entire season without a clunker are very few and far between. And so Oklahoma was due for one of these at some point. Look... It doesn't change the overall outlook for Jenny Baranchek and this team. They're still a tournament team. They're still going to be a formidable
0: foe come tournament time. And Jenny Baranchek is probably coach of the year right now. She's done an unbelievable job. It's a great hire. Uh, They play exciting basketball. wasn't their night last night. They fell behind. Uh, They came back. They got the lead back momentarily. But, again, it's one of those classic deals where, you know, uh, there's maybe not as much gas left in the tank. After you burn all that fuel making the comeback. But, by the way, it's Baylor and Iowa State, I believe, that are ahead of the Sooners in the standings. Uh, so Oklahoma's one game back in the conference standings. So this is a big game at Iowa State coming up this weekend for the OU women. That's a 6 o'clock game on ESPN+. Plus. Now, the OU men play at 1 o'clock. That's also an ESPN-plus game, unfortunately. But, uh, Parker, you cannot underestimate. This is the biggest game by far of the season. Iowa State fighting for its tournament life, just like Oklahoma. Hilton's not an easy place to go win a game. Then right after that, you have to go to Lubbock. Uh, You know, do do the Sooners have a chance to win in Lubbock? Yes, a very slim chance. So, and uh, you look at the the schedule for Oklahoma, what they have left. So, let's say you lose to Iowa State, and then you go to Tech next Tuesday night, and you lose in Lubbock. Well, then you've got to win out. Yes. You've you got to beat Oklahoma State and West Virginia at home, and you're going to have to go to Manhattan and win at Bramlage, which hasn't been easy for Oklahoma to close it out. And guess who else is fighting for their tournament life? Kansas State. Uh huh. So there's a lot of work to be done. If you can somehow get this one this weekend, that would be colossal.
1: Yes, it'd be massive. But I, I I know everybody's gonna be quick to label this weekend's game at Iowa State a must win. I'm not putting it in that category right now just because, like you mentioned, I think you can lose the next two, sit at fourteen and fourteen, and as long as you win the last three and get a win in Big Twelve play, I think you're in the tournament at eighteen and fifteen. That's how much leeway I think Oklahoma will have because of the fact that they play in the Big Twelve, and their resume is as—I—I I, I don't want to say their resume is good, but it's chock full of almost. And that's something that the committee is going to weigh heavily. Is, four four sure.
0: top t- 15 wins also. Yeah, four top 15 wins. Now, Some of those teams the, have not been as good later in the year, but still, you, you, when they played them, that's where they were.
1: So, they, You play Kansas within a possession mm-hmm. at Fog Allen. You give Baylor all they could handle at the Farrell Center. A lot of Oklahoma's losses have been really good basketball games. If you take out, take out for a moment the two matchups against Baylor and the matchup against Auburn, so you're talking about top 5 teams right there. If you take those two out of the equation, they've only lost one game by double digits. All of their losses have been tightly contested ball games. And so I almost isn't going to cut it on selection Sunday. You got to start turning the almost into wins. And so Yes, Oklahoma's going to need to close strong. I think they need to beat Oklahoma State. I think they need to beat Oklahoma, or excuse me, West Virginia, and I think they need to beat Kansas State at Bramlage. Those three are wins you got to have.
0: Yeah, it but, would be nice if you could get one this weekend. But like I said, uh, I just don't give them much of a chance in Lubbock, particularly after the way they beat Tech. Usually, you know, yeah. Tech's going to be really locked in, and I'm not saying they weren't in the first game, but. Uh, you know, I just don't see that one happening. Well, and again, so if Tech you can steal one this weekend, that would be really huge. Yeah, again, you can't count on winning
1: in Lubbock, even though you did beat the Red Raiders by 15 at the Lloyd Noble Center. I mean, Tech just handed it to Baylor on their home floor last night. Yeah.
0: So, Well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And, uh, man, somebody's going to be left out in the Big 12. And uh, for the Sooners, again, uh, you're looking at teams TCU, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma – all on that same bubble I know Joe Lenardi still has the Sooners just barely in but, uh, like I said, you you lose the next two, you're going to be on the outside looking in. And to get back in the in tournament uh, contention, NCAA tournament contention, you'd have to win, I believe, the last three and maybe one game in the Big 12 tournament. 7-11 again, if you're in the Big 12, that might get you in. That might get you in. Wasn't that Oklahoma's record back in 2018, I think the Trey Young year? I think it was. Yes. 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 If and I recall correctly. I don't know. Some people thought the star power of Trey Young also helped the Sooners get a bid that year. But uh, these last five games are just huge. Like I said, I look at all of those games. Uh, the only one I don't consider very winnable is the game in Lubbock, uh, Lubbock next Tuesday. So, And, uh, man, they had that incredible comeback against Iowa State. That was the Bijan Cortez game at the LNC, right? Yes. It, it was like thunderstruck all of a sudden. Bijan Cortez was making plays to close the game for OU. We've got to come up with a nickname for Bijan. Well, I, I know Toby has used Bijan mustard, I know. Pretty good. It's got to be – it's got to have something to do with the hair, though. That's the thing. Hmm.
1: Because, you know, Brady Manic was Prairie Larry because of the uh, – Yeah. The stature and the hair and the beard and all of that, but – we we got to come up with we got to come up with something for Bijan Cortez. Help us out on the air comfort solutions text line 405-651-3439. six five one thirty four thirty nine. Let's give Bijan a nickname.
0: And by the way, you can also wish uh, Parker Thune a happy birthday. It's his birthday. Go to Twitter. Those balloons will be flying all over his uh, account, so you can wish him happy birthday. Yeah, and uh, Toby, I like you know when Bijan throws a nice ca- uh, pass or something, nice assist. B- Bijan Mustard is very well done though. still like that. I don't know if you want that as a nickname, but uh, it's a good description of a nice Bichon play. Man, there was a lot of mustard Mm -hmm. in that Iowa State game from him, no doubt. First time around. All right, we will break right here, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Thursday. Back in studio today, the Brown O'Haver Studios. Thank you to Tim Lasher. Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Speaking of satisfaction, that's exactly what you'll get from Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We're coming right back. One of your favorites is talking about the Kyler Murray situation. We'll get into that coming up next. All right, welcome back. Yeah, we both like uh, some Tom Petty here. I was playing uh, a couple Sundays ago doing some uh, radio prep work for Monday, and I had uh, Damn the Torpedoes in the Vinyl. Oh, so good. So good. It was popping off the speakers. Really good. All right. Welcome back. Thanks again to Tim Lasher and Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring hour number one. Steel Man and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. All right. I want to talk about Kyler Murray here in a second, but I I do want to announce back in studios today, the Brown O'Haber Studios, the forces of mucus were defeated. They surrendered uh, earlier today at um, Appomattox Courthouse and uh, a victory was declared by uh, the Steely organization over this nasty uh, battle that we had. <laughs> I, I, I did not have Steely comparing his sore throat to the Civil War on my bingo board today. Well, but. you know, you never know what kind of bingo we're going to be playing here. But I will say this. I was telling TJ this story. Shea hasn't even heard it because, and I don't know why I forgot to tell her, because it was a funny story. We have a, a chihuahua that we rescued that uh one of shay's friends found running around with another dog in the the mean streets of waco texas and no these these dogs around the holidays were just running around for like four or five days so shay's friend asked what's going on with these dogs they're they're really good looking dogs One was like a border collie and then our chihuahua and the neighbors said well these people moved away and i think they just left them here so first of all who does that But secondly, she got on, uh, you know, texted Shay a picture of our Chihuahua, now Lala, and said, you guys want a Chihuahua? And we said, yes. So she's she's been a great dog. She's very sociable for Chihuahuas. A lot of them will hang around just one person, and kind of that's, that's their person. But uh, this dog, very social. She loves when company comes over. And one of the things that she does all the time, Chihuahuas love to burrow underneath a blanket or something. That's their deal. They love that. And uh, we've been laughing because she's the sweetest little dog, but every now and then you'll hear... Brr. And we're like, what's that all about? And we figured out that she, on our, our sofa in the uh, living room, we have a blanket out there. And what she's telling you, she's standing on the blanket, and she looks at you and goes, rrr, rrr. and she's telling you, dude, get over here and put this blanket on me, all right? I don't want to do the work myself. So you have to go and drape the blanket over her, and then she's good. Well, during this nasty battle I had with the forces of— uh, mucus uh and the sore throat before that i would have all of a sudden you would just have the sneeze that would come out of nowhere and when you've got a sinus infection or whatever this was i know it wasn't rona because we did the home test but they can come out of nowhere and they're they're painful sneezes you know what i'm talking about oh yeah, yeah but they're big and uh, there is some stuff going through the air when you've got that stuff in your system so our Chihuahua loves to get up on me and put her paws up, like, around my shoulders area and stay there and either kind of tilt her head and sleep or just stare right at me. Oh, I know where this is going. While I'm watching TV, whether it's Netflix, basketball, whatever. And sometimes I finally have to put her on her blanket because she could just do that stare for like an hour. So here came an uncontrollable sneeze the other day. Shea was still working in the office. I was setting up Netflix or something. And... All of a sudden, you know, a lot of times when you have a big sneeze like that, you feel it coming. You're like, oh, gosh, here it comes. Well, this one came out of nowhere, and it was big, and it was, uh, there was some bad stuff flying through the air. And guess who caught the brunt of that? Yes, the Chihuahua. And she looked at me and just went, And it was a bigger roar than normal, little growl. And then she jumped right off of me and left the room. Not happy with that situation at all. I think that's the first time I really upset her because she got to sneeze right in the face and she did not like it. And I don't blame her. That's understandable. That's kind of what Muleshoe did uh, to the Sooner Nation. Sneezed right in their face and then left for Hollywood. You dirty rats. Have fun out there on the left coast, all right? Just have fun. We're here in the heartland of America where people are morally sound and they care about the right things. Not about themselves or the glory or the glamour. Well, maybe sometimes. But you know what I'm saying? We're just better people here. Salt of the earth kind of people. They aren't out there in California. I'm just saying. And you know you know what's right. Okay, so we were talking about Kyler Murray the other day. And, you know, when he scrubbed all of his social media and uh, we're like, what is going on? You know, and and I know they faltered down the stretch second half of the season, but they were in the playoffs. Yes, he had an embarrassing performance against the eventual Super Bowl champions in the first round of the playoffs. One of the worst pick sixes you'll see. But Kyler Murray's been a good NFL quarterback, no doubt about it. Hasn't been just unbelievably off the charts crazy good, but he's been really good. So... Yes, he's he's up for a contract, but it just looked really weird. And now everybody's talking about, well, Kyler Murray, man, is he aloof? Is he talking to his girlfriend? Is he FaceTiming her, you know, at halftime? Maybe he's immature. Maybe he's a sore loser. All of that stuff. Well, Shannon Sharp, your guy Shannon Sharp said uh that he believes it is kyler murray who has caused this whole mess he's trying to calm down noise that he brought on himself
4: before he scrubbed that page nobody was asking questions about what kyler murray is like behind the scenes Mm. it's kind of like people magazine skip when you start when the entertainers they start erasing each other off their page Mm -hmm. what people go do what tmz go do Mm -hmm. they go looking asking questions and a lot of times you find out things you didn't even know or you weren't even
0: looking for. Yep.
4: Nobody was asking anything about Kyler Murray.
0: Well, he ain't lying. no he's, My he's, man, right, he's not lying he's right on the money with that and I, I don't know um, do you think Kyler as great an athlete as he is again when you're five nine and you're that tiny and you can yes, you can escape most. Of the uh, defenders who are coming after you. he's had got great escapability, but you can't escape everybody. Is that a situation where it's just a small quarterback and, again, despite his wheels, eventually is going to be broken down somewhat over his career? What do you think is the issue? I know they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, which was kind of a big deal down the stretch, too, right? Yes, so, what what exactly are you asking here, Mike? Do you think that, uh, that he's starting to take a beating a little bit too much, and that is maybe why he wears down a little bit too uh, in the second half of the season?
1: No, I think a word you used is a very good word to describe Kyler Murray, and it's aloof. I don't know how much of a negative connotation that word carries, but I don't mean that necessarily in a negative sense. I think that's just Kyler Murray's personality. And so... I think when he is – when you have a guy like him who isn't super forthcoming about their situation and their feelings, and then all of a sudden, boom, Cardinals are gone from his social media platforms, yeah, naturally people are going to start asking questions. And yeah, rumors are going to circulate, and people are going to throw stuff out there that – May be true, may not be true. People are going to throw stuff out there based on hearsay, and you're going to have all these narratives surrounding uh, your life and your relationship with your organization and the person that you are off the field, and none of this would have happened if Kyler Murray hadn't taken the petty step of deleting the Cardinals off all of his social media again, Shannon Sharp's right. I don't know what is going on behind the scenes between Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I don't know if the root of the issue is Kyler. I don't know if it's the Cardinals... I don't know where the fault lies. What I do know is that Kyler Murray is the one that made the crucial misstep here. And it's the reason why we are now talking about this live on air And it is now the reason why the national pundits and the talk show voices all across the country are having the exact same conversation.
0: Well, and he came back. He put a a picture back on Instagram of him in a Cardinals uniform and then the message, like, none of this stuff you're hearing is true. Those who have been, you know, out there with me know what I'm all about, how hard I go, all that stuff. That's not the verbatim Mm -hmm. quote, but basically that's what he was saying. Because what happened was, again, as you said, What do you do if you're a reporter in Arizona and you see that? Mm -hmm. You pick up the phone, you call whatever player connections Mm -hmm. you have, whatever coach connections you have, whatever inside connection you have to that locker room and that team and say, man, what's this all about? And guess what you start hearing? That's when you start hearing, well, Kyler's detached or he's on his phone you know, in the locker room a lot or talking to his girlfriend. That's how that stuff happens because you take the step to make people pick up the phone and wonder what the heck's going on.
1: Right? It wasn't a story until Kyler made it a story. Right, yeah. That's that's what it boils down
0: to. Bottom line is I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's going to get his deal. But I, I wonder, you know, if, if that causes any kind of locker room friction at all. Maybe it won't. As time passes, it'll become less of a deal, uh, particularly by the time next season rolls around. But it was just a very unusual thing. And then the
1: statement he made in the Aftermath, didn't do really anything to quell the rumors and the speculation because, Kyler, nobody's, nobody's sitting there and questioning your drive and your desire to play football or the effort that you bring on Sundays. The natural question that's in people's minds is, well, you see somebody erase someone else off their social media platforms. What's that usually an indication of? Uh, <laughs> you're not on great terms with that person or mm-hmm. a
0: relationship is over. And so, if you took two four seven and you took the ref off your bio on Twitter right now, I would guess that you would probably be getting texts within uh, a couple minutes. Yes, what's going on? What happened? What's the deal? This was Kyler Murray doing that. So yes, there were going to be a lot of questions out there. And you're right, he did nothing uh, to, uh, you know, quash any uh, talk or uh, dispel any rumors out there. With a basic like, uh, you, you guys know how hard I play. Yeah, no, again, that, nobody's questioning that. That wasn't Kyler. the question. The question, question is, that. what's the issue with the organization? Is the issue. So, anyway, all right, we'll take a break right here, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, the Thunder. They lost last night, but it was it was it was a good loss. And Lindy Waters made his first NBA 3, the former Oklahoma State Cowboy who'd been tearing it up in the G League. Trey Young's teammate at Norman North, five points in eight minutes. We'll talk a little uh, NBA, and we'll get into a lot more college football. Plus, we'll get to the text line, Air Comfort Solutions text line, when we get back. Stay here. Okay, we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, the Air Comfort Solutions text line always open to you, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Thunder, by the way, uh, taking on the Phoenix Suns uh, tonight after uh, losing to San Antonio one fourteen 14-106. But, man, Trey Mann and Josh Giddy continue to play well. Teo Maladon also had a heck of a game off the bench. Poku had 10 points, 10 boards, and 4 assists. So there are good things happening. And Lindy Waters made his first NBA 3, played 5 uh, or 8 minutes, actually, and had 5 points. Uh, again, Oklahoma City without SGA. Lou Dortz, uh, Jeremiah Robinson-Earl, Mike Muscala, Ty Jerome, uh Kenrich Williams all did not play last night. The Thunder again. You got to be thinking about, uh, you know, you, you got to get one of the four: Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paulo Bancaro, or Jaden Ivy from Purdue. Although he's a two guard, and the Thunder are, are pretty uh, pretty set right there right now. Parker, you want to go to the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439? Yeah, one listener says, are y'all contractually
1: obligated to mention the Thunder? If not, bless your hearts for giving them airtime.
0: We are not contractually obligated. No, we are not. We are not. Another listener says we need to start some behavior modification
1: for Steely to get him past this mule shoe thing. What kind of prize can we put in a jar every day that he does not bring mule shoe into the conversation?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Hmm.
1: Suggestions on a nickname for Bijan Cortez. Okay. Uh, Kingfisher
0: Jesus. Yes. Cortez the Killer ah uh, neil young song oh, neil, yeah neil, neil young reference i believe eddie Radosovich uh may have claimed court uh the other one. Oh, really uh, yeah i think so okay
1: well then i guess we gotta i guess we gotta roll with cortez the killer those are the only two good ones all the
0: others yeah not really feeling them neil young uh, and uh spotify man i like some neil young decade is a great double album and uh Neil Young, you know, he's a big uh, collector of train sets. He's kind of an unusual dude, but uh like his music quite a bit. See, what impresses me about you in addition to your sports knowledge at your age is your appreciation of older music.
1: Did I that dabbled, did that come you know,
0: from your parents? Uh to an extent to, yeah, musically to an inclined. Extent,
1: to an extent um I mean, my dad. When we would drive around to baseball games and stuff, when I was younger, 9, 10, that was really when I started listening to music. And he always, he it was you. You had iPods at the time, right? Oh, that yeah. was back when iPods yeah. were a thing. So. We thought
0: those man, these are awesome,
1: incredible. I, he got me an iPod Nano when I was probably nine or ten, and loaded it up with Tom Petty and U two and Boston and the Cars. There and, you
0: go, man. That's a great dad right there.
1: That's a good dad right there. Yeah. Loaded so then,
0: it up for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Then later on, I I expanded my breadth of, uh, I guess, your repertoire. Yeah, my repertoire uh, of listenership to you know the Pink Floyd's of the world, Led Zeppelin. Uh, but yeah, 60s, 70s, seventies, eighties rock music. That was
0: that was what I was raised on. There you go. That that's very impressive parenting right there. Very impressive. Major props uh so anyway all right uh air comfort solutions text line again always open to you 405-651-3439 and uh we will answer any text that you have if we can and if we can't we'll just lie uh one listener says prediction for ou's next starting quarterback to be nick evers or jackson arnold what are your thoughts well i'm not as plugged in as you um, may I would say maybe Nick Evers, but you have seen uh, like the videos and seen them in action. I haven't. Um, I don't know uh, based on what I'm hearing about Evers, maybe a slight edge to Nick Evers. Yeah,
1: I would give Evers the edge just because he'll have a year to his advantage in the right. system. He'll he, he'll be. He'll have that natural leg up on Jackson Arnold. I also just really, really like Nick Evers' skill set. And that is no dig on Jackson Arnold because that dude's going to be a tremendous quarterback as well. Four-star, Does
0: he have a chance to go five-star? He does have a chance to go five-star. What I like about Nick Evers, too, man, uh, hearing about his athletic ability, obviously four-star recruit. But what this kid is doing, like with his NIL stuff, and uh, he just seems really mature beyond his years. Seems like a really good kid. And I, I don't know anything about Jackson Arnold in that respect, but what I've seen out of Nick Evers, it's very impressive. Another listener says, listening to K-Ref from Battiest, Oklahoma, it does
1: exist. Home of the Panthers. What? Where? Battiest, Oklahoma. Battiest. Wow. Oh. McCurtin County, reppin'. Are there bats and caves up there or what? I guess there must be. I've I have I ever been through McCurtain County. Yes, I, I guess I have.
0: I've driven through Idabel once. I can't remember why. So that's deep southeastern Oklahoma? Yes. I mean Idabel I know is, so I'm I've, I've been about as far as Durant, or as they call it, Durant down there. Yeah, you know,
1: it was it was coming back from my my best friend's bachelor party. That's what it was. That's what took me through Idabel.
0: I was very happy, by the way, to see the Blue Whale of Catoosa get some uh, national airtime. <laughs> who does the spots? The Blue Whale of Catoosa. We used to road trip to that. The Blue Whale. It's quite the uh, Route 66 landmark there. Very cool. I can't remember who the advertiser was. but then we, uh, The Blue Whale of Catoosa was on a Super Bowl Oh, Okay,
1: apparently I was mispronouncing it. It's Batiste. Batiste. Oh, okay.
0: Sam's Interesting to my probably You could you could have fooled me. There you go. All right. All right, we got a break. We've got uh, another award-winning uh, probably not hour coming up here on the ref. Keep it right here. Are you having a better day than uh, Michaela Schifrin? A third did not finish at the Olympics earlier today. Oof. I mean, I haven't wow. been wow. I haven't been paying much attention to the Winter Olympics. I, I haven't so. either. But uh, that's pretty big. I mean, she was expected to bring home some gold, right? And uh, she didn't even finish three events. Man, who's your favorite Olympic athlete of all time? It can be an American. It can be somebody from another country.
1: Man, I know it's kind of—I I don't know how much of a cop-out answer this is—but Michael Phelps in his prime was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Two thousand eight—that was, of course, that was the year where he won seven Olympic golds, and watching him dominate—I mean, that was special because you got. It's just it's so remarkable when you see one athlete that is so far and away better than the competition. But it's all the more remarkable when that one athlete is that far and away so much better than every other athlete in the world.
0: Who else fit that bill? Like uh, Usain Bolt, Usain obviously bolted. for a while. Yeah, uh, Michael Johnson for that Olympics was unbelievable. Um, I don't know. My my favorite Olympic athlete of all times probably Eddie the Eagle Edwards. The British ski jumper who glided like forty feet, but he was out there, man. He was an Olympian, Eddie the Eagle Edwards. I would not have known that name
1: unless you brought it up, Mike. So I'm gonna do a little background research on Eddie the Eagle. Go now. go
0: ahead and Google him up. Go ahead. Eddie. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, boxing to me, like when Sugar Ray Leonard won, uh, that was cool. Um. Carl Lewis, obviously, was great. Um, You know, he dominated, and um, he would be one of my favorites. I'm trying to think of who had a more disappointing Olympics, though. Debbie Thomas fell in figure skating, but I don't know if she would have been. It was Katarina Bitt I think she was going up against, who was one of the most uh, artistic skaters of all time. And and really good on jumps and everything else, too. But um, Mary Decker Slaney in that race with Zola Budd there at the uh, the Coliseum, 84 games, right, when uh, she got tripped. That was a big disappointment. But, man, you miss uh, and you don't finish an event. Uh, I think at least two that she was favored to at least medal, if not get a goal, and you don't finish three events. That's That's crazy. And the Canadians beat the U.S. women's uh, team in the gold medal game in, uh, in women's hockey. So I'm like you. I think maybe I've watched about 15 minutes of the Olympic Games, which is, you know, and, and I'm not. I, I, they just don't do, do it for me anymore. You know, and a lot of it depends on your schedule and what else you have to watch and what you're doing during the day because you've got so many options to watch different events. But they just don't do it for me like they used to back in the day. All right. Uh, I wanted to ask you about recruiting, obviously, with uh, everything you do for 24 7 sports and ouinsider.com. Um, you know, we're seeing all of these offers, all of the kids retweet their offers now. You know, honored to get an offer from OU, and they tag the coach and they put their picture out and everything. What, what do you make if there are two or three things that you could single out from the kids at Oklahoma? Is offering right now as compared to what they how they were going about it previously. What would you say stands out?
1: Uh, well, first off, size at the wide receiver position, and okay. you see that in their newest offer today, Kyler Casper, who is six foot five, an Arizona native, class of twenty twenty three, and a top one hundred and fifty overall player in the twenty four seven Sports composite right now. Uh, you may remember Kyler's father, Kevin Casper, who was. An outstanding wideout at the University of Iowa in the late 90s, early 2000s, I believe, and then spent six or seven seasons in the NFL. Uh, but his son, Kyler, uh, man, this kid is a stud. And you turn on the tape, he is a fun player to watch because he's got breakaway speed, he's got outstanding athleticism, all the tools you look for in a wide receiver, but the real distinguishing factor is that six foot five frame and that's the type of receiver you look at the fact that Oklahoma just signed Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, two guys that are well in excess of 6 foot 3. Gibson is pushing 6 foot 5. Uh, Caden Helms, another guy that's kind of a tight end wide receiver hybrid, technically going to play tight end but carries a lot more of a wide receiver frame at 6'5 225. Kyler Casper is another one of those dudes that fits the physical mold that it appears Jeff Lebby is going to be recruiting at the University of Oklahoma. Because if there's one thing that Oklahoma's conspicuously lacked in the wide receiver room over the last few years, it's size. You think about who's, who was the last real big physical mismatch that Oklahoma had at the wide receiver How position. How big was Hazelwood?
0: Hazel six Hazelwood three? was
1: kind of the lone exception. He was 6'3". He, he was their size guy, basically. Yeah. He was the one guy that... You know, you kind of figured you could throw him in there in goal-to-go situations, throw him a jump ball, and he'd be capable of going to get it. But C.D. Lamb was kind of an outlier in every sense of the word, so I don't know that you can really throw him in that conversation. But with the exception of Jaden Hazelwood, how far back do you got to go to find a wide receiver who was – six four six yeah. five and that much of a- i don't know
0: malcolm kelly was he in that range six three or so i'm trying to think. 80 miller and i didn't have a quentin cheney was big as yeah, i recall. there's one that yeah that's one i think he was in the six four six five range uh you can help us out in the air comfort solutions tax line i'm sure we're forgetting about somebody all right so size and wide receiver what else are you seeing in terms of these offers and how they they differ from, uh, you know, the way uh, Lincoln and company went about their business.
1: Well, I think, and I've mentioned this before, and I don't know if this is necessarily what you're looking for, but all of the guys that Brent Venables is offering, is guys. they're all guys that he will take a commitment from. They're not offering just for the sake of offering. Mm-hmm. They're not offering just for the sake of being able to loop back around if they miss out on one of their priority targets and say, hey, we, uh, we were recruiting you a year ago, but you haven't been on the phone with the kids since. Every single one of these kids that's getting an offer from Oklahoma is a kid that Oklahoma is going to actively recruit and will take a commitment from.
0: And I, that's a sorry way to go about your business, too. If you're doing that, man, you know what we're offering you? And then all of a sudden, oh, we don't have a scholarship for you. Again, yeah. That that just look, I, I know everything isn't, uh, you know pure as the driven snow in college football. I know it can be a dirty business, and even in recruiting, we know that, but particularly with kids, if you're just throwing offers out there and deciding, well, remember we offered this kid, oh, well, forget about him. That uh, just doesn't seem
1: right. And I know this is also a narrative that has been pushed a lot, uh, both on this show, on Locked In between me and Tyler McComas. It's something that has been mentioned quite a bit, but The localization
0: of Oklahoma's recruiting efforts,
1: not just Oklahoma kids, but kids from the Kansas City area Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, You think about Brent Venable's stomping grounds back when he was at Kansas State, both as a player and a coach. He is very familiar with the Kansas area, the Missouri area. And so those uh, really anything within a four or five hour driving radius. uh, Those are areas that Oklahoma is going to recruit pretty heavily going forward on the recruiting trail.
0: They need to find themselves a Darren Sproles type, man. Dylan Edwards. That's the guy? That's Dylan Edwards. That's the guy? If they lock down Dylan
1: Edwards, I promise you, Dylan Edwards will be Oklahoma's answer to Darren Sproles. And uh, who is on his list right
0: now besides OU? Uh, Well, let's take a look at his offer sheet. So
1: Oklahoma offered him on the visit back on January 29th. His previous offers included Washington, Illinois, Indiana, Nebraska, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Those are probably the two biggest that he has. He's got an Iowa State offer. But it's really – I mean, you look at his list. It's Oklahoma and all the rest. And you see all the crystal ball predictions in favor of the Sooners. They are the odds-on favorite right now to land Dylan Edwards. And if they do – yeah, that's that's a dude that could be – I don't even know if there's a guy you can compare him to. Well, modern-day K-State lore.
0: guys Deuce Vaughn, obviously. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But I'm trying to think of an ex-Sooner that you could compare Dylan Edwards to. And that's the thing is he's just such a unique mm-hmm. brand of football player that nobody immediately comes to mind.
0: Well, and a lot of people thought they had that guy in Relique Brown, obviously, yes. right?
1: Yes, And Relique Brown
0: would have been that guy. How do you compare those two? I mean, Brown's a little more highly rated, obviously. Yeah, I think they're
1: similar. Uh, Ray Leak Brown is, I mean, the kid's just special. And he's going to be dynamic at USC. If you had to choose between him and Dylan Edwards, especially for the quality of competition he faced, you'd probably lean Ray Leak Brown. But make no mistake, Dylan Edwards is a guy that can be what Oklahoma expected Ray Leak Brown to be.
0: What is the ceiling for By Joe, by the way? Oh, is it like and, Sistine Chapel quality?
1: Oh, it's beyond the Sistine Chapel. And thats I think that's what's so intriguing about him because he's only played two years of organized football, but it's the ceiling that excites everybody. It's not what he's done. It's what he could do. And I've, I've mentioned this before. The kid just has one of the most impressive natural physiques of all time. Before he'd ever lifted a weight— he he stood six foot five, two hundred twenty five pounds, and just looked jacked, as if he came out of the womb pumping iron. And so, you take a guy like that, and you displace him from the hardwood to the gridiron, and get him learning the game, and use his natural aggression and his natural physical advantages in the trenches. Naturally, that's a guy that's going to have some success, especially at the high school level in Oklahoma, and that's what By job has had. But, you know, you get a guy with those tools that are innate, and you think about what he can become if you get him in the weight room for three to four years, and you start to really dedicate his training toward being an elite edge rusher in college football as opposed to being an elite forward on the basketball court – why Job has the opportunity to be one of the most special players that's ever played high school football in the state of Oklahoma. That's pretty when impressive. When you're talking about the next level, that's a guy that definitely has long-term NFL potential.
0: What about, you said he, he plays organized football. He's played for two years, right? Yes. What about the uh, the Rollins-Kabange kid that was the uh, uh, basketball guy, right? That they got to be kind of a rush specialist? Yeah, I mean, there's... What do we think? Rollins
1: Kibonge is a guy that, and by the way, mad props for you to you for saying his name correctly because not a lot of folks can do that. So I try, yeah. So uh, I remember covering his recruitment, and uh, I remember being on the phone with him and how excited he was to commit to Oklahoma. Uh, I think that would have been uh, it was twenty must have been June of twenty twenty, but. That was a kid that had only played one year of football yeah. when he
0: got to Oklahoma. And, and you're he trying was a to basketball break through kid. and get playing time with the, the guys yeah, they had last I, year. That's impossible.
1: Yeah, and I think he has a lot of the same natural tools that By-Job has. I think there's just something about Job, though, where his athleticism supersedes that of Nathan Rollins Kibonge. And I do think Nathan Rollins Kibonge is going to be a pretty good football player before it's all said and done at the University of Oklahoma. But... For what Job has in terms of innate physical qualities, it's something that – I mean, th- there, there is a reason why By job is currently a top 100 overall player, according to 24-7 Sports. And it's because you just don't find physical specimens like him. Yeah. And again, it has much less to do with what he's done and a lot more to do with what he could be if you add 15 or 20 pounds on that frame – and you let him loose in a collegiate scheme where he can rush off the edge every single down and focus on getting after the quarterback. That's a guy that has all-American potential at the collegiate level and could very well be playing NFL football one day.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, how would you like to be rolling in the dough? Wouldn't we all? Well, you can at Riverwind Casino, and you can do it tonight on Thursdays, this month in February. A share of $10,000 in chips will be given away to six different winners and random hot seat drawings held At 11 a.m., 1 p.m., 5 p.m., 7 p.m., and 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. That's right. In order to win, you must actively be playing a live-rated hand at a qualifying table game during the time of the drawing. But you could be rolling in the dough. Win your share of $10,000. They're giving away Thursdays in February. So get out there to Riverwind Casino. It's nice and warm in Riverwind, and you can warm up and win yourself a big jackpot or, again, be rolling in the dough with a great Thursday promotion in the month of February. Taking a break, thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring Hour number two, and we're coming right back. Welcome back. Good to have you with us on uh, this Thursday. It's a little chilly out there. That song brings back a lot of memories because, uh, well, Rush, one of the greatest rock and roll trios of all time, maybe the best. Cream's, cream's pretty good, too. But I uh, love that song. But I, uh, in my days growing up in God's country, Norman, Oklahoma, I had a job at the Boomerang Restaurants. Really? Yes. And uh, I eventually got fired from him because I called 1-900 numbers to get college basketball scores. And uh, it cost <laughs> like 50 cents a call. Like, yeah, who rang up $85? And, uh, and, and, and Steely's calling for scores. You're fired. That's the most
1: Mike Steely thing I've ever heard. That's but
0: iconic. We had a manager, nice guy named Tony Sawyer. So we would always sing, Today's Tony Sawyer, He Makes Fries. Because he was the fry cook. Uh Aha. See? You see see what what we did did. there? We were very creative and stupid back then. Yes, I I got Uh, fired from. uh, I tried to take the bowl season off at Arby's. Yes, I, I. I was in charge of potato cakes at Arby's <laughs> back. My parents one time I did something really stupid and they said, "You're going to go get a job." And I'm not blaming my parents cuz my parents are the best, but and I remember they were driving me down Main Street. I was in the back seat and I and they were looking on the other side of Main Street. We were heading westbound on Main Street. Okay. And there was an the Arby's had a sign that said help wanted and I'm like, "Please don't look to the right. Please don't look to the right. Please don't look to the right." Oh, well look here, Michael. Go in, ask him about the job. I did the worst possible interview I could. I didn't want to be in fast food. Not that there's anything with it, but I was like, I'm a senior in high school. I can't do this. What if people walk in and I'm wearing a freaking Arby's outfit, you know? I got some street cred. I can't do this. Guess what? They hired me. They hired me. I remember one particular evening... I was working there with my Arby's uniform on, looking after the potato cakes. When uh, the Norman High School cheerleaders, who uh, I all knew very well, they had no idea that I was working at Arby's at that time, against my will. So they came. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's the cheerleaders. They're coming in for a freaking roast beef sandwich. I got to get out of here. I hid in the uh, walk-in freezer for about 10 minutes. I came out looking like Jack Nicholson after, you know, that scene in The Shining where he's going through the maze. That's pretty much what I look like. But I was able to preserve my dignity by not being seen in the Arby's outfit. Nothing against the people working at Arby's. They're fine people. But I just, at that age, I couldn't handle it. And that's how I got here in this job. BSing people on a daily basis, pretty much. Not much has changed. Yeah. You think you could spend a good 10 minutes in a walk-in freezer to preserve your reputation? I feel like I could. I I don't
1: know that I would. Like if I were in your situation there, I I don't know. I first off, I probably wouldn't have had the presence of mind to walk into the walk-in freezer mm-hmm. and hide there. It was very cold. But I I I also probably would've just taken the L. Would you I'd be like, "Well, there's no escaping this one." <laughs>
0: You know, I had to hide in there because people would rarely go in there. So if they would have seen me back, you know, uh, mopping the floor or something, I would have said, Steely, get up here, take the order. I wasn't taking that order. I was not taking that order. And look at you now. I know. Can you believe the career track from Arby's to uh, right down the, the street? The creativity <laughs> and the stupidity hasn't gone anywhere. That's exactly the, right. The that's field inc- of work has Yeah, that's exactly has changed. right. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, i pathetic, really pathetic. All right, for my friend Brian, he actually texted me, and I like this, and they can help us out on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Steely. I'm curious, you and Parker, growing up as Sooner fans, even though he's from Nebraska, right? Yes, he is. Uh, who were the players that you thought were super cool or idolized growing up? following OU football that's a good question for the text line too I can tell you mine uh do you want to go first you, you talked about feel, AD the other day yeah I feel like I've said this many times
1: my earliest memories of watching OU football were the Jason White Adrian Peterson days so Jason White will always have a special place in my heart for my money that is the most undervalued and underrated sooner of all time and it's not often you can say that about a Heisman winner but I don't think Jason White gets nearly the love that he should.
0: should, You're right. And the thing about Jason is because his knees were so bad, he couldn't play at the next level, right? He just physically couldn't do it. But for what he did coming back from those three surgeries to win a Heisman, remarkable.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Jason White and Adrian Peterson are two of my absolute favorite students of all time. Uh, You know, it's interesting. So I started watching the Vikings, a lot after mm-hmm. they drafted Adrian Peterson, it was super convenient because I lived in Nebraska. Right, we didn't have cable TV, so we just had, you know, we had one of those antenna. So you get the uh, the big networks, and that's it. So the only the only TV I ever watched was really the NFL broadcasts on Sundays, college football on Saturdays, NFL broadcasts on Sundays, and because Nebraska is. Reasonably close in proximity to Minnesota. More mm. often than not, Fox would carry the Vikings game in our area. So I got to watch a lot of Adrian Peterson in his uh, early days with the Minnesota Vikings. And I, this is not Oklahoma-related, but I, through watching the Vikings, I developed a very significant affinity for Sidney Rice, who had one outstanding season at wide receiver mm-hmm. for the Vikings. It was 2009, if I recall correctly where he had upwards of 1,300 receiving yards as Brett Favre's primary target in that offense. Man, I don't know what it was about Sidney Rice, but that dude was so much fun to watch. I remember there were there were games where – and there were downs where Brett Favre was just like, all right, well, screw it, Sidney Rice is down there somewhere. And, I mean, would just throw some stupid 50-50 ball, and the dude would always go and get it. He played his college ball at South Carolina. I know that much. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he had – I believe, four seasons with the Vikings and then a stint with the Seahawks before he retired due to concussions. He retired really young, 28, 29. But uh, Sidney Rice was one of my favorite football players as a child, and it was largely because I just just ended up watching him through coincidence because of Adrian Peterson.
0: Was it the – didn't the Vikings lose to that Saints team that went on to win the Super Bowl?
1: Oh, yes, Mike. I remember that game very well.
0: Brett Favre's pick, right? Was it a pick or a fumble? No, but it was it a pick. It,
1: it was because there, uh, it's it still kind of hurts because you know I'm a Bucks fan, have been for a long time, but I was sitting there and I was I was rooting for the Vikings. I was because I wanted to see AD get to a Super Bowl, which he still has never done, and at likely at this point, no, won't. not now. But they were, I want to say, on the 39-yard line with seven seconds left. The game was tied, 28 to 28 if I recall correctly, 24-24, 28-28, either one. Regardless, they have seven seconds to play. They have a timeout. They decide to run one more offensive play because, you know, 56-yard field goal is right on the edge of Ryan Longwell's range. And Brett Favre rolls out, throws the interception. The game goes to overtime, and they never touch the ball. That's actually the game that resulted in the NFL changing its policy on overtime. Wow. It's because yeah. the Vikings never got the football in that game. The Saints went down. Garrett Hartley was the one that kicked mm-hmm. the field goal to yep. send the Saints to the Super Bowl, which they eventually won over the Indianapolis Colts. And it was that offseason that the NFL started exploring a new overtime format.
0: Yeah, that was wild. And uh, when the Super Bowl, Tracy Porter's pick, and um, the Saints were Super Bowl champions. But, yeah, the Vikes were very close that year. By the way, um... For me, uh, the, the first guy would no doubt Joe Washington. I still think he's the coolest Sooner of all time, little Joe. And I can remember going to, you know, um, like the, the autograph signing day as kids, and this was on old Owen Field, you know, with the, the uh, artificial turf and everything back in the day. And I can remember I had, I had this red piece of, like, poster board, to get everybody's autograph. And I had taken with a compass, and I had drawn a circle in the middle of the poster board, and that was supposed to be for Joe Washington's autograph only. And I remember Dewey Selman giving me grief over that because he started to sign in the circle. And I said, that, 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 that's for Joe Washington. And he kind of laughed and said, you know, I guess little Joe's getting special treatment or whatever, and everybody started laughing. And I, I don't know what I would have been that, what, about 10 years old, I think, at the time. But, uh, and uh, the Selmans, what a great family, by the way. But he had a big grin on his face. And uh, I was able to get little Joe's autograph, and it was the only one in the circle. So it would definitely be Joe Washington for me. What about you guys? 405-651-3439. Air Comfort Solutions text line, always available to you at 405-651-3439. Thank you again to our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Think about the number 72. Call an audible. 72, Paul's Valley, 72. Exit 72 for a great deal on a car or truck, and that great guarantee, oil changes and engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, we'll break right here. We'll talk a little hoops when we get back. Some more Sooner football on the way. Happening right here, Steelman and Thune, way afternoon on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Okay, good to have you with us here on a Thursday. Uh, Man, uh, the winds out there are brutal. Brutal. It's a little bit chilly out there today, but you'll make it. And uh, it's always the action. Very hot inside Riverwind Casino. They've got a great promotion happening uh, right now and a big drawing uh, tomorrow night. It's the $80,000 River of Romance Promotional drawing, and it'll begin at 6 o'clock tomorrow night out at Riverwind. Runs through 11.30, preliminary round, and they'll draw three patrons' names every half hour. So 33 names in total, a bunch of winners, a bunch of cash and bonus play. Get out there and win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in the River of Romance giveaway tomorrow night. They also have, just before midnight, right before midnight, two grand prize winners drawn out to receive, receive extra cash bonus play and any unclaimed cash as well. So that's happening at Riverwind Casino. Great dining options out there. Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant. The River Buffet. Friday night is steak night. Saturday night is seafood night. Sunday, a tremendous brunch. They have the uh, Seasons Food Court as well. Panda Express. They've got uh, Burger King. uh, Taco Bueno, one of my favorites. And they're putting an IHOP in there. An IHOP. So you want to do some late night, you know, gambling out there. You can get your pancakes whatever you desire waffles there and i hop nothing hits quite like late night breakfast oh food, my gosh Mike. i i think um breakfast is the best meal of the day if you do it right what do you think well i, I my
1: stance on it is i will eat breakfast food at any time of the day that's I, good one of that's my a good one stance. of my and yes i agree breakfast is the best meal of the day um One of my favorite memories from college was when me and my group of friends would all pile into a couple cars and go to Whataburger after 11 p.m. after they start serving the breakfast food.
0: That's a good uh, good strategy. There was many a good night You pulled
1: the Bambles is what you did. Yeah, legit. Of course, these days, Whataburger doesn't open the, uh, at least the one in Norman, they don't open the dining area. you you got to go through the drive-thru, which late-night drive-thrus at Whataburger, those can get long. Oh, yeah. And you can be there for 45 minutes to an hour. But back in the days where you could just walk into the dining area mm-hmm. and order breakfast food and sit down and eat it, there were there were a few things uh, about my college days that I relished as much as those evenings.
0: Now, let's talk about, it. because if you do breakfast right and you have pancakes or waffles or English muffins or hash browns, eggs, bacon, I mean, they're just, it's, it's an endless supply of uh, greatness is what it is, breakfast foods. And uh, I didn't even mention sausage. I mean, biscuits and gravy, it's the, it's the best meal if you're going with your, your best meal. To me, it's breakfast. But what about like a fast food breakfast sandwich? What is your go-to?
1: fast food breakfast sandwich interesting see I was uh, one of the things I always used to enjoy when I was younger was the uh, the sausage McMuffin with egg from okay. McDonald's yeah I just I don't go to McDonald's really ever anymore I'll eat there once a year or so for breakfast and that's about the limit for me uh, I'm a big you know I'm a big chick-fil-a fan so the chick-fil-a chicken biscuit mm-hmm. is always a go-to uh, you put a little honey on that thing oh I bet yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: Elite.
0: I, uh, because of proximity, and of course, I am a very health conscious these days. Uh, not really. But I got to go with the uh, sausage and egg McGriddles, the number mm. six at McDonald's. Very good. I mean, uh, that's that's high quality stuff. No doubt about it. All right. uh, Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. Surprised to see last night that uh, Texas Tech came into Norman and beat the OU women 97-87. The Sooner women 20-5 in the year, 9-4 in the league. They're a game behind Baylor and Iowa State now in the Big 12 standings, and they play at Iowa State like the men do this Saturday. The Sooner men play at 1 o'clock. And uh, the OU women play Iowa State at six o'clock in Ames coming up on Saturday. So the Sooners again lose Tech. Came, coming in at what ten and fourteen, I think three and ten in the league is the uh, the record for Tech. So that was a surprise. The OU women have had a tremendous season. There's no doubt that Ginny Baranchek has been a fabulous hire. Um, you know, not only she is a, a great coach. Uh, So far, but she is uh, very likable, done a lot of good stuff. But last night maybe was one of those nights for the Sooner women who fell behind early and had problems catching up, obviously as they lose the game 97-87. to But Jenny said afterwards the slow start was just part of the Sooners' problem.
3: You know it's unfortunate that we started so slow, but I, again, it's not even about what the scoreboard says. We didn't have the momentum we needed to have. We, we didn't have the fire that we've been having. We didn't have the competitiveness. We didn't have the let's go get the ball and rebound. And so, to me, this is gut check time of are we going to get that? Are we going to ha- are we going to be the team that that has that, um, or not? Because we didn't, and Texas Tech did. So those loose balls that maybe don't put us so far behind. We can get those. We get those, and it's a different game. We play with that kind of energy. Um, it's a different game. So I feel like um, maybe to your point, but it didn't have to be so hard, and I think at the same time we needed to play harder.
0: Yeah, it was 8 to nothing right off the bat. The Sooner women came back, got the lead momentarily, but again, uh, Tech was able to withstand that, rally by Oklahoma and won the game by 10. But again, you can't say anything but that Jenny Baranchek so far has been a home run higher for the OU women. Uh, Seems a little bit unusual. You've got both the men and the women playing in Ames this weekend. Does it not? Or is that something that I'm not familiar with and I'm just really stupid? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it happens. Mm -hmm. It happens. You'll get the men and women playing in the same venue from time to time. So, and we talked about, man, how big the Iowa State game is. And uh, you said it, and I agree with you. This isn't a a must win, but it's pretty close. Uh, because the way the Sooners' schedule lays out and where they are right on the edge right now, Joe Lenardi still has Oklahoma, you know, just in there. But, look, winning at Tech, after you beat Tech the way you did at home, I don't see Oklahoma going to Lubbock next Tuesday and winning. And if you lose in Ames on a Saturday at 1 o'clock, and keep in mind, Iowa State, like Oklahoma, got off this tremendous start to the season. They've fallen off – they just broke a four-game losing streak, uh, by the way. Was it TCU they beat? I'm trying to remember who they beat. Anyway, Iowa State's fighting for its tournament life just like Oklahoma. So if you lose this game Saturday and you lose in Lubbock next Tuesday, you're going to win out, man. You've got to beat Oklahoma State at home and West Virginia at home, and then you've got to go to a place, Parker, that it's, it's like Bramlage Coliseum is, is, is haunted by the Sooner men, right? They have some problems there. And you always think, yeah, Oklahoma, they should be able to get this done right. And didn't they only beat Kansas State in the opening game of the conference by two, I believe? Yes, 71-69 to 69
1: at home at the LNC. By the way, if you told the casual Sooner fan uh, there is a venue, an in-conference venue besides Fog allen yeah. in which the Sooners haven't won in a decade, how long do you think it would take him to say Bramlage Coliseum?
0: Maybe not as long as you think. Yeah, that's Uh, true. But uh, obviously the fog, they've been in a fog at Allen Fieldhouse since 93, the Terry Evans game. By the way, one of the coldest nights of my life was uh, doing a broadcast in Ames, Iowa back in the day. uh, Basketball broadcast. Yeah, it gets chilly up there. Oh my, that was walking to the car in Ames, Iowa. You can freeze. You can look like... Jack Nicholson's character in The Shining by the time you get to your vehicle. You may not be able to open your vehicle because that, that was pretty brutal. So, anyway. You've seen The Shining, right? I haven't. Just Google up Jack Nicholson Frozen Shining. Okay. And that's, that's what it could look like if you don't get to your car in a hurry. You've got to sprint, man. All right. We're going to break right here. Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley bringing you hour number two here on this Thursday. On the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas coming up at the top of the hour. Some final sports notes and another text to get to when we get back. Keep it here on the Ref. I like that funky version of uh, Crossroads. Good stuff. Welcome back. Mike Steely Parker Thune with you here on Steel Man and Thune. Well, afternoon. Uh, we're approaching 2 o'clock. And at that time, you'll be getting locked in with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas right here in the home of Sooner fans. All right. So Pretzel Logic tweets me, Steele, what is the most heartbreaking Sooner loss in history? For you, And I want you to answer that question, too. Most heartbreaking Sooner loss in history. You want me to
1: answer that question? Because I you? can answer it right now. Okay. Fiesta Bowl 2007. Nothing will ever come close.
0: Hmm. You didn't like uh, losing to uh, Jared Zabransky and company? No. Especially with how agonizing that loss was.
1: Mike, like, hey... Think about the national championship game in 2009. I know that's it for people my age, that and the Rose Bowl game. Those will probably be the two games that immediately come to mind. Yeah, Um, I think I think the Fiesta Bowl one was harder to swallow for me just because I was a lot younger. It was, it was a formative time in my life, and I wasn't jaded by the constant disappointments in bowl season from Oklahoma that I'd become mm-hmm. accustomed to by 2017 when they lost the Rose Bowl. Because, to be honest with you, I was sitting there optimistic that Oklahoma was going to come out victorious in the Rose Bowl. I never believed it. I never could bring myself to believe it. As soon as Rodrigo Blankenship hit the field goal at the end of the first half, that was the moment I said, oh, boy this is not going to go well. it was well. a
0: swib, squib kick. Right? One of the worst decisions ever. Yes. Who so, made it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not the Sooners special teams coordinator. Yeah. We know that much. That's right. Uh, what do you think the meetings are like for, like, special teams or I, defensive <laughs> meetings? Today. All right, defense, you've got, can... like, 10 minutes. All right, then we're back to offense. Yeah, right. I... special teams, what? No, you guys don't have to meet. All right.
1: Do you want to know, Mike? Because I have on—I have it on pretty good authority what the special teams meetings looked like. Okay, yeah. They were a
0: sit-down for about 15 minutes a week. Hmm. You know, I've found in life that you get out of a certain job, career, or situation what you put into It's usually the result that happens based on how much attention and effort you put into something. You usually get a better result when you really put effort and real work into something. If you half-ass it, guess what? You're going to have something that's half-ass. OU special teams were pretty much that, right? A lot of the time. I mean, how many – look, and, and I know there aren't as many kickoff or punt returns as we used to have, but come on, man. With the athletes you have at the University of Oklahoma, it should have been a lot better. And I, I'm in favor. I like putting really good starting players on special teams. You know, a lot of the switcher teams and the stoops teams; those guys that were big time were playing on special teams too. Why not?
1: Yeah, circling back around, I think that Fiesta Bowl also hits a little harder because, like I said, I was younger then, not as jaded, and it was such an emotional roller coaster too. Marcus Walker snags oh, the pick six from Zabransky, and you
0: thought that's it, man, and then, there's then the freaking
1: the freaking hook and ladder. Mm-hmm. followed by the Statue of Liberty in overtime. Also, it was Adrian Peterson's final game, too. Mm-hmm. If there's one dude that didn't deserve to go out like that, it was Adrian Peterson. Paul Thompson, too, after all that he poured into the university and stepping in as a converted wide receiver yeah, and a fifth-year senior to be the starting quarterback that year in the season he put together. That was a really special year for Oklahoma, and they should have been playing for a national title that year. The onside kick against Oregon is an entirely oh, yeah. different
0: can of no worms. Doubt. What a bizarre year that was too. You're right. Maybe not as bizarre as this past season, but you're right. And then you had Ian Johnson proposing to his girlfriend the cheerleader afterwards. I mean, it was it was a magical night for Boise. You know, um I was trying to think of something else you just mentioned. Um with that game, and it was just uh, the fact that, again, you think that Oklahoma's going to win it, uh, somehow survive when Marcus Walker got that pick six. Oh, if Barry Switzer is listening, coach, look, Parker's young. I know because Switzer always gets upset because he says, there is no hook and ladder. It's the hook and lateral. He always wonders, where does the ladder come into this? There's no ladder. That's it's, a great question. It's just a and lateral. But, I, I wondered but, the exact same But case. here's the deal. Everybody says that. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. They always say, eh, it's the old hook and ladder. <laughs> so oh hell, where's a damn ladder? coming into it. It's a lateral. Yeah. I,
1: I used to say hook and lateral back when I was really a stickler yeah. for uh technically sound facts like mm-hmm. that. But at a certain point I was just like, you know what? It's colloquially known as the yeah. hook and ladder hook and ladder. Most specifically that play is is known as the hook and ladder. No, I got you.
0: I got you. I'm not blaming you. I'm just apologizing to uh, Bert Schwitzer if he's out there listening on his back for Midway Deli or something. (laughs) So, uh, for me, it will be the 1978 Oklahoma-Nebraska game in Lincoln. I I believe that that Oklahoma team was the best team in the country that year, and they Mm -hmm. fumbled the ball six times. And I know Billy Sims was very very upset. Why does everybody got to talk about my fumble? Because it happened down at the three-yard line. I still remember the Nebraska nerd who recovered the fumble. Jim, Jim Pillen? Jim freaking
1: Pillen, He's yes. running for governor of Nebraska right Jim now. Jim
0: Pillen, and probably because he recovered the football from Billy Sims. Jim Pillen recovered it. And then the Sooners got their rematch. Like I said, one of the greatest videos of all time. Was Nebraska was going to win the league, and then they lost to Missouri the next week after beating that Oklahoma team in Lincoln. They yes. lost to Missouri. Go ahead. Here's an interesting one via the Air Comfort Solutions text line.
1: OU's loss to Kansas in basketball in the 1988 National I was going to go. Game. That
0: was going to be my second choice. Really? Yes. Because, again, I believe that was the best team in the country. And I they believe were, that. Kansas barely made the tournament. They were twenty one and
1: ten in the regular season. Danny
0: and the Miracles, yes. And you had to play him in Kemper, and they had a great night. And I man, I, I Billy Tubbs so deserved the national title. What a great coach. What a great dude. But yes, that was gonna be number two for me. But OU got the rematch. The Orange Bowl set up a rematch between OU and Nebraska. And I remember the video. You can find it somewhere where Tom Osborne and Bob Devaney on YouTube take the call. And your opponent will be the University of Oklahoma. And they're kind of looking at each other like, what? What? Really? Oh, good. And the Sooners won the rematch.
1: Uh, One listener says on the text line, Jim Pillen's political ads, he goes after Oklahoma still. Also, that person's contact on the Air Comfort Solutions text line phone comes up as maybe Tom Osborne.
0: (laughs) I like it. Well, I think Billy Sims ran over Jim Pillen on the way to the end zone of the Orange Bowl, though. That was the, the Oklahoma's best team in the country that year. You know, sometimes you're the best and you don't win. And that nobody can convince me that 88 Oklahoma basketball team wasn't the best team in the country. But, again, you got to be that particular night, and they weren't. Heartbreaking. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, get ready to get locked in. We have uh, Parker going another hour. Tyler McComas coming in. A lot of the Sooner conversation coming up. Thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Thanks to you for turning in. We will see you tomorrow. Get locked in next.
5: Whoa! Where's all the haters at today? It's two o'clock. Where's Where's everybody at? Where's their hit piece? There's I, been no OU's going to suck next year. There's been no dunk from Neil Patrick Harris yet. Whoa! This is interesting. Unfamiliar territory. We don't have something right off the bat where someone nationally is hammering uh, OU today. Did we fend them all off? It, has everyone gotten their shots in this offseason? Are yeah, we just finished them all off or canceled them all on Twitter? What happened? Let's make it through the hour before we start taking anything to the bank, Tyler. <laughs> That's serious. Uh, a very happy birthday to Parker Thune today. Thank you. I hope uh, all of you out there have been sending him happy birthday text via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Has that been happening so far during your two yes, hours on Yes, I have gotten air? quite a few. Good. So. yeah, Well, keep it coming. He deserves it. 405 651 405-651-3439. Tell Parker, happy birthday! What is this uh, number twenty three? This is number twenty three. Wow, Jordan year, as they say. You got big plans tonight, or what? No, I really don't. Actually, <laughs> I was talking. Jeez. I was talking about with Steely. Twenty three year old inside of a forty five year old man's body. No, Look legit. Right. Like
1: outside of my twenty first, which you know is an event for anybody. Um, I have not really had an exciting birthday since I started college.
5: Yeah, twenty first. I mean, that's by far and away always going to be 16s pretty cool. 16s number two. 21, though, is number one. I went to uh, Vegas for my 21st, and wow. uh, oh, buddy, it was a uh, 21st birthday in Vegas. Little cliche, but still awesome at the same time. It was pretty amazing. No, seriously, man, happy uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, hope it's been a good one today, and uh, hope you hope you have a fantastic day. Fantastic 23rd birthday. I hope 23, your Jordan year, is the best one yet. Thank you. You want to hear my 21st story? Sure, yeah. So it was me,
1: and I, I have three mm. best friends, three dudes that will be groomsmen in my wedding one day, mm. absolutely no question. Um, there are three. Actually, two of them are already married. One just got engaged last weekend, so now I'm kind of the one dragging anchor, which is weird. But um, those three organized to get-together at Pub W out on the west side of Norman. For me spot. and them and, like, two dozen of our – Real close friends, and so we get there. So I, I don't drink, never have, just don't like alcohol. <laughs> and like, and your twenty
5: first was still awesome,
1: huh? Yeah. So okay. here's the thing. Here, here's what I did. Everybody was trying to get me to drink, right? And I, I you know, trying to convince college kids that you're just not into alcohol. And just dislike the taste, don't really have any desire Surprise, to Surprised they didn't expel like, you. Exactly. <laughs> like, they're all taken aback. They all can't believe it. They're all like, no, you need to try this drink or this drink or this drink. Here's what I did. Uh, one of my buddies uh, knew... He, he kind of knew the situation that I was in, that I didn't really have any desire to drink that night, but that I was going to be under a lot of pressure from everybody. So... Uh, we're sitting outside in this covered area, and the bar's inside, right? You go inside to the bar to order your drinks. You come back. So uh, he tells everybody at the table that we're going to go get my first drink on my 21st, right? And so we, we go in there, and we walk up to the bar, and he orders me a Shirley Temple. Mm, yeah, we just go we with walk the
5: mocktails, that- huh? Yeah,
1: so we walk that back. And I sit there and drink my Shirley Temple, and Man. everybody thinks it's my first drink, and nobody is the wiser. And all of my friends from my college days are either – they've either since moved out of state, or I promise you they're not listening right now. So they all still don't know that I made it through my 21st without having a sip of nice alcohol. Nice job. But I, I yes. do
5: wonder how the Air Comfort Solutions text line is going to handle the story. All right. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll see. I thought about earlier today, uh, running over to—is oh, that Cookie Cake place still in the mall? It's Still in Sooner Mall? I haven't had one in a while. I was gonna get you a uh, cookie cake that said Archmania uh, on it. Oh man! Happy birthday, Parker! <laughs> Arch Manning's final six looks like this. That's but uniconic. I did Next year, though, for number 24, I'll probably do that. Because Archmania will still he'll be still. <laughs> yes, it it'll it'll be down to five uh, in a year's time, and where he's gonna go to school. Hey, um, I thought we'd do this to to lead off the show today. The top ten players in the state of Oklahoma, according to 24-7 Sports, the list looks like this. Luke Havs, tied in out of uh, Bixby, you know the name, Uh, the number 60 national player in the country. OU fans were really hitting us up about a month ago, like, hey, does OU have any shot? Does OU have any shot? He seems like a pretty hard commit to Arkansas. Um, You'd love to have this kid. I I think this dude has a really good chance in that offense to be a stud out there in Fayetteville if this commitment sticks, and I think it probably
1: will. Yeah, the harsh reality is that the second he decommitted, he was going to Arkansas. He's got family ties to that university. Obviously, being from the Tulsa area, Fayetteville is virtually equidistant. From Tulsa, when you're talking about the distance between Tulsa and Norman and the distance between Tulsa and Fayetteville. So, Arkansas was the spot that made a lot of sense. I don't get the sense that Luke has will be decommitting from Arkansas, particularly because Arkansas is going to offer a scholarship uh, to his twin brother, as I understand, which Oklahoma was not. So, that's another. Uh, factor that works in the Hogs' favor there. So. He
5: He's legit and ranked as the number one player in the state for the 2023 class. At number two, Mustangs' Jacoby Johnson, who we've mentioned before, four-star athlete, six foot three, 183, and a guy that both you and I think OU's in, at least right now, in pretty good position for. Yeah, I would expect
1: J- Jacoby Johnson to be a Sooner. The interesting thing is I don't know right now which side of the football he plays. And it's not often that I'm going to sit here and encourage a legit two-way guy to play offense because wide receivers are a dime a dozen these days. Uh, Elite defensive backs, particularly defensive backs of Jacoby Johnson's size and physique, are increasingly hard to come by. But I really do believe Jacoby Johnson's ceiling is higher as a wide receiver and so I'm interested to see what this new Oklahoma staff does with him. I'm not sure they have designs on which side of the ball he'll play at this point in time. I believe he will ultimately be a wide receiver at the collegiate level, but you can very well see him slotting in as a safety or a cornerback.
5: Jacoby Johnson, currently the number one twenty two player in the country according to twenty four seven sports. Remember, there's going to be these rankings will be altered throughout the year. Some guys will rise in the ranking. Some guys will drop. We'll see about Jacoby Johnson at two. We'll see about Micah Tease at three. Um, four-star athlete out of Booker T., Heard a lot about him. If there's a guy in the top 10 that you're like, yeah, I think he's going to end up at OU. Micah yeah, Tease is secret. the guy on this on this top 10. Open was. secret that OU
1: is very much in the driver's seat for Micah Tease, and that is a guy that I would expect to play defense for Oklahoma. Again, much like Jacoby Johnson, legit two-way player, could play defensive back, could play wide receiver, and is going to be a very good player either way. But I think, especially at Oklahoma, uh, with the way that they're recruiting right now and the particular type of player that they're recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. Micah Tease definitely fits the mold, and he's a guy that I would expect to be in the secondary.
5: by Job is ranked number four, a community Christian right here in Norman, four-star edge player, six-foot-four, 215. What, four or five years ago, he thought football was rugby, and now he's a four-star prospect. Um no crystal balls out for him yet, but we, you and I were talking about him last week. You feel good about OU with this one. Correct? I'm getting
1: real close to putting a crystal ball in for By Job to Oklahoma, and you know Steele and I were actually talking about By Job last hour and comparing him to Nathan Rollins Kibonge, of course, current Oklahoma defensive end, another guy that had a uh, had a pass on the hardwood, didn't really. Become a football guy until later on uh, in his adolescence, and uh, Nathan Rollins Bongay actually didn't play high school football until his junior year. So he came to Oklahoma with one year of football under his belt. The difference between By Job and a guy like Nathan Rollinsky Bongay is that, yeah, you can take a basketball guy who's in that six five, six seven, you know, two twenty, two forty type of range, and you can put him on a football field, and a lot of them are going to be successful. Very rarely do you get a guy that's as dominant in the trenches as by job naturally and there's something to be said for an innate sense of aggression and i think that's what by job has that sets him apart from a lot of the other guys that are basketball transplants and so that's the reason why by job is currently regarded as a national top 100 prospect and is a guy that has a legit nfl future if he is developed
5: properly at number 5 on the list underrated our boy Cole Adams, wide receiver, out of Owasso, Just a three-star, but come on. That's going to change at some point. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And I would expect that to
1: change when 24-7 Sports releases their next internal update for the class of 2023. Right, I almost said 22. I'm still caught up on 22. <laughs> need Josh or need Josh Connolly and Lebius Overton to commit already. But, uh, you yeah, know, Cole Adams is a bad dude. That is a guy that... Like, you look at his physique, and let me me put it this way. If you passed Cole Adams on the street, he is not the type of guy that you would look at and say, yep, that is a future D1 football player. Oh, the measurables don't impress
5: you. In fact, he's kind of like the... The outsider, like judging by other guys that they're offering and their size and weight, if you lined up all the offers that OU has right now at wide receiver, you'd say, "Ah, "What's that kid doing in here?" Yeah, Cole Cole
1: Adams is definitely the black sheep, but man, that dude can play ball. Goodness gracious! Flip on the tape.
5: There might not be a better wide receiver in the state of Oklahoma. So, my big takeaway from this is just one through five, how stacked the state is this year in talent. Luke has, again, I, he's one of the best tight ranked as the number two tight end in this class. Maybe he ends up being the number one tight end. Jacoby Johnson, huge upside. Micah Tease, we know about him, great athlete. By Job, huge upside. And Cole Adams, one of the more sneakier wide receivers in this class who will soon be a four star. You're going to have at least five uh, four-stars when it's all said and done. And I think the hope, and and really even the expectation is, is that OU's going to come away with four out of the top five players in the state by the time we get around to next February. And it would have been a clean sweep if Muleshoe had stayed in town. Yeah, hey, you know what, whatever. You'll you'll (laughs) take the attrition
1: where (laughs) it has to occur.
5: Uh, Some other guys, six through ten, real quick, and Thomas, defensive lineman out of Union, three-star Uh, OU hasn't really gotten in on that yet. I don't know if you expect them to or not, but... I I don't.
1: I think that one probably uh, swings in favor of either Arkansas or Baylor at the moment. But if Oklahoma does this, he he could be one of those guys like Deshaun Brown was this past cycle, where Oklahoma ends up offering him very, very late in the process, and it, you know, there were a whole set of circumstances uh, with regard to the j- just Sean Brown situation as to why he did not end up committing to the University of Oklahoma. But that that could be a guy that ends up a late target if they miss on a guy here or a guy
5: there. Morgan Pearson at number 7, uh, Plainview High School out of Ardmore, three-star wide receiver. Again, does it look like OU's in, on, OU's in on a lot of wide receivers right now, including Cole Adams. Uh, unless this happens late in the process, I, I don't know. I actually believe that Oklahoma will offer
1: Morgan Pearson. At a certain point, and they won't offer him as a wide receiver. They will offer him as a linebacker. So he is currently categorized as a wide receiver, but he plays both sides of the ball, and he is in a very literal sense thick. You look at him on the field, like three C's. I mean, he's he's two hundred and thirty pounds. He is six foot one, two hundred and thirty pounds. So he is built a lot more like a linebacker than a wide receiver. He is not – if you saw him on the football field, or again, like we were saying with Cole Adams, if you passed Morgan Pearson on the street, that's not a dude that you would think, oh, he's a wide receiver. He's very much uh, out, of his, out of his depth physically. At being a wide receiver, but he's more than quick enough and he's got uh, more than adequate ball skills where he's perfectly capable of playing wide receiver at the next level. It's just, I think he's going to end up too big for that to happen. He's either going to have to slide inside a tight end or what I consider to be the more likely possibility. He ends up playing linebacker.
5: Maybe it's just you and me. Um, I, but I feel like the entire fan base, or like the the fans that really get into recruiting already have a uh, pretty sizable crush on Cole Adams. So if I were to say, Don't be surprised if he ends up a top two, uh, prospect in the state of Oklahoma. When it's all said and done, I feel like most people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That could, that, that, yeah, that could definitely happen. I, can I, I don't happen. know if I'd go that far.
1: Mm. Uh, I think he'll stay right where he's at. I don't anticipate that he'll jump Has Johnson, Micah Teas, or By Joe. But oh, that I, Bam offer! I, I do think, strong. I do think he will pick up his fourth star at a certain point in time. And look, I, I actually said it on our uh, OU Insider Under the Visor podcast last week. I. I get the sense that Cole Adams very well could be the next commit for Oklahoma. Well, that'd
5: be big. That would really get the fan base going if I that were to happen. I don't think that is out of the question at all. All right, hit us up with your text, Air Cover Solutions text line 405-651-3439. How about this? OU men's basketball coach Porter Moser was just about was just asked about his thoughts on a new arena. We'll tell you what he said coming up next and more right here on the ref. Chapel Supply bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune inside the Brown O'Haver Studios. Apparently, Barry Trammell just asked uh, Porter Moser what he thinks about a new arena, and Porter basically said, yeah, I definitely think it's time for a new arena. So, not surprising there, Porter shares the thoughts of what I I think all of us. We're all wanting a new arena here in Norman, and the head coach is... Yeah, let's let's go ahead and get this new arena going, and I'll expand on that more following the season. All right. Wow, I, I love it. And, and he's been—I don't know if you want to call it in private circles. I mean, he's been pushing for this new arena for a while. That to as my, have others, to my understanding, as have others. Again, it's not surprising that the head coach would do so, but it's it's very important to this basketball program right now that 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 happens. It, it, in that, would that alone fix the attendance problem? I don't know. I think initially it would definitely help, but they, they they need a new arena. I think we can all acknowledge that at this point. Yeah, they do. And it's one of those things where you evaluate the situation at the Lloyd Noble
1: Center, and it's kind of complicated by the fact that they just built the Griffin Performance Center, which is attached to the LNC, and so I don't know how much that factors into the whole conversation. But the Lloyd Noble Center, you know, for all of its charm— is one of the uh, – how, how can I say this delicately? It's one of the less impressive venues sure. that's, no, in that's college basketball. And particularly for a school like Oklahoma, which you could argue is the most storied program in the history of college basketball that has not yet won a national championship, if you want to get that monkey off your back and you want to win a national championship for the first time, you want to bring a title to Norman, Oklahoma in college basketball, and you want Porter Moser to be that guy that breaks the drought, New facilities and a new arena—that might be what is necessary in order to break through in that capacity. It
5: is definitely not set up to be a uh, raucous atmosphere. No, I mean not, 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 uh, not at all. Um, there, there's some arenas that are built like straight up off the floor. I mean, this one is—it's—it's it's just not. Yeah, Kendall not. says via the Air Comfort Solutions text line, it's a dump. <laughs> okay kindle simply put there what else do we have on the air cover solutions text line 651 uh one listener asked parker when did
1: ou offer cole adams yeah they haven't yet
5: they he, haven't yet he put but- out a uh, graphic two days ago where we we're like "Ooh, let's go not yet but it's like we've been saying it'll it'll happen soon Another listener says Parker I'm 44 and never had a drink of alcohol
1: before age 21 FYI I still have no desire to drink can't stand the taste thank you see there's
5: there's at least one other person never wake up with that, the bad that, hangover exactly you, you never. guys hey you guys are winning on this deal Okay, uh, Doug in Norman asks, what causes a recruiting
1: ranking to change during the offseason? Is it film study from the previous year? You keep saying various rankings will change. Is that after they start playing games next year? No, a lot can change during the offseason. It depends on performance at 7-on-7 camps, uh, at various exposure showcases across the country. There's a lot that factors in, and... You also got to keep in mind when you see guys drop, it may not not be because the public opinion of them has diminished at all. It may just be because there's another guy elsewhere that has really shot onto the scene and established himself as a national name that
5: maybe nobody knew two to three months previously. So tell me if this ever happens. Um, You and your colleagues at OUinsider.com. Let's say you go out and you watch Cole Adams and 24-7 for whatever reason is set on Cole Adams being a three. Can you guys like submit a letter, submit something to where you say, "Hey, I know you guys have him as a three star, but I'm just telling you, I've seen this kid up close. He needs to have a fourth star. Like, is that something that can happen with with 24 seven? Yes, rankings so, just the rankings. Yeah,
1: so the uh, the. The National Rankings Council takes into account the feedback from all the regional guys like us. So, if Brandon Drum or I go out to an Owasso game, for instance, and Cole Adams lights it up with twelve catches for two hundred and fifty yards and four touchdowns, yeah, we'll make sure that the film from that game gets in front of someone with the po- gets in front of somebody who has the power to. Uh, edit the rankings, as it were, but we'll also send in an evaluation. You know, we'll make sure they know, hey, you know what, the tape speaks for itself, but I can also tell you that this kid's every bit as impressive in person as he is on tape. Yeah. Anything else on the text line? Let us see. Let us see. Xavier asks, would it be a state sweep? I heard Grinch and Tebow weren't
5: high on by Job at all. yeah. See, that's a... Hmm. There's a lot of guys that we've heard. Um, Eric McCarty would be one. Like Would would OU show any interest at all if the previous staff was, was still here? If the previous staff was still in place, I don't think Cole
1: Adams ever gets an OU offer. I don't think Eric McCarty ever gets an OU offer. I don't think Morgan Pearson ever gets an OU offer, which, like I said, I, I expect he will at, at a certain point down the line. And I don't know... I, I, here's the thing: Once Alabama and Georgia offer by Joe, which they have at this point, then I feel like the Oklahoma staff would have been hard pressed. You would have not been pressured him. And,
5: and that's why I wonder too. If like it would have been a terrible look if Cole Adams gets the Bama offer, he gets knocked up to a four star, and OU if they even get in, gets in really late on that one. I wonder if even that staff would have been pressured to do so. But I don't. I, it doesn't sound like they cared really at all what what the perception of their staff recruiting kids in Oklahoma was. Especially Mule Shoe. It didn't seem like he necessarily cared all that much at all. Um, if there's a four star up there in Owasso that Bama's offered. He he never felt like, oh, I gotta go I gotta go get this kid. I gotta go offer his kid. His sights were set on who's got the most stars nationally. He just didn't didn't really seem like he had the thought process of let's try to go in state when it looks like there's an obvious offer. No, and I will say the old
1: staff didn't, they probably did not value uh, the localization of their recruiting efforts as much so as Brent Venables and this staff will. Now, I'll say Robert Spears Jennings was an outstanding evaluation by that staff. I will give credit where credit is due. Totally, man. Alex Grinch and his defensive staff knocked that one out of the park because they offered and took a commitment from Robert Spears Jennings long before he was ever on the radar as a nationally regarded prospect. So. That's one guy that they did an outstanding job evaluating.
5: I'm sure this is somewhere on the Air Conference Solutions text line right now, Lebius Overton update, because that's the most pressing question with OU recruiting right now. The dead period is still going on. Uh, I haven't heard anything, Parker. I don't know if you've heard any recent updates on, on Lebius Overton at all, but y- y- you got to bring it up because this is the class is already great but this Lebius over could take this class maybe over the top. Yes, he could. And really all I know for now is that he and his brother
1: are going to take a campus visit with Oklahoma in March and we'll see what happens. But until the month of fe- until the month of February has come and passed, uh, it's difficult to say that there's going to be anything in the way of tangible updates to that situation just because it is a dead period right now.
5: Yeah. Uh, surprising news today in college football, Jaden Daniels, three year starter at Arizona State, is expected to enter into the portal. Yeah. Um clearly he has his eyes set elsewhere. Um uh, maybe we do have a tampering situation going on here. Uh I'll I'll say this much. I
1: developed strong relationships with several prospects in the class of twenty twenty-two that were being recruited heavily by Arizona State at one point. And here is all I will say about that situation. It is not good. And there is a reason why you have seen coaches resign, there's a reason why you have seen coaches laid off, or I guess what's the uh, what's the term not I, not suspended, but what do they do with the, uh, administrative leave. There you go. They'll place coaches on administrative leave pending investigation. And there's a reason why you've seen so many of those players hit the transfer portal. There's a reason why you saw so few players commit to Arizona State in the class of 2022. I think they had like eight. Commits something like that. It was not. It was not a good class for Herm Edwards and his staff.
5: Yeah, there was a thought what late December that that job was going to open up, and that was one of the gigs where it was would Lane. I mean, clearly Lane wants to leave Ole Miss. Would he leave Ole Miss to go to Arizona State? And that job never never opened up. Uh, yeah, the clock is now effectively ticking on Herm Edwards out there because Jaden Daniels. Maybe the best quarterback in the Pac-12 coming back this year, three-year starter. He's a really good player. And without Jaden Daniels out there, uh, ASU does not have much of a hope to, to win big next year. So that, uh, I, I would guess that this is Herms last year at Arizona State. I'd actually put a lot of money on that. He's got a massive hole to dig out of if he wants to retain
1: his job going forward. And he's, he's what, in his 70s now? So at what point do you just decide, eh,
5: this isn't worth the trouble? Uh maybe maybe later today when Jaden Daniels I, I don't know if he's officially entered in the portal now but uh, there's widespread speculation that it's going to happen at uh, some point today. Aircover Solutions text line 651-3439. Hey, I just put out a question on our Twitter page. Go follow us on the ref if you haven't already. What's the best experience you've ever had at an OU road game? So factor in the results of the game. It obviously helps if OU wins it. Uh, The location of the game, how awesome of a road trip, how awesome of an environment was it, and, of course, how the opposing fans treated you. We've got several submissions that have already rolled in. Hit us up with yours on the Air Solutions text line. 651-3439. More to come next right here on Locked In. Chapel Supply bringing you this hour of Locked In with McComas and Thune. Chapel supplies you, and they supply you with the tools to tackle any power washing job, residential, or commercial. They can also service all brands of power washers. Check them out today in Oklahoma City, 6509 West Reno. Visit chapelsupply.com. Ask before the break, and I don't know how uh, interactive everyone got on the text line about the best road trip they've ever been on. I will share uh, mine, though. Jeez, this has been 19 years ago, but the best OU football road trip that I've ever been on, 03 Alabama. Um, It helps that OU won the game, first off, but the fans were awesome, man. And that's before Bama really got on this run, and they had been humbled a little bit, and they weren't the arrogant, cocky fan base that maybe they are right now. The Bama trip was really cool. Going to Tuscaloosa was awesome. Obviously, a ton of history there. It ended up being a great football game. Tuscaloosa is an awesome college town. And uh, Bama fans were really, really cool, to OU fans. I remember walking out of the stadium, and uh, an Alabama fan was kind of walking with us back to our car, and he said, look, man, great game, awesome time. Hope you guys had a- an amazing experience here. Just make sure that uh, you destroy... Uh, oh, Fran that just went to Texas A&M. And uh, later that year, OU did. Uh, Dennis Franchione, uh, OU beat Texas A&M 77 nothing. They just wanted OU to drill Texas A&M after he left Bama for College Station, and uh, he did. Bama fans were really cool on that trip. That Tuscalo- uh, Tuscaloosa road trip in 03 was awesome. Best one I've ever taken. The SEC
1: road trips are going to be a ton of fun. I get the sense. like Those will be fun games to cover in places like Tuscaloosa, and Athens, and even Columbia.
5: They they will, but I've had this theory now for a, a few months. They will be fun, but also knowing kind of the landscape of the SEC and what their fan bases are all about, there will be an initiation period for OU fans. So the first time OU goes to LSU, the first time OU goes to Arkansas, the first time OU goes to A&M, Florida, Georgia, probably like there's going to be a select few places where, in due time, I think you'll be treated well. But at least the first time there, the initiation phase, you're gonna get treated pretty poorly. There. I am pumped for the Sooners' first trip to Fayetteville. I think that is going to be a really fun environment, and a really fun game. I've been to, I've, I've gone to four Arkansas football games. Um, they've only won one of those <laughs> naturally. I've had a good time every time I've gone to Fayetteville. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, for me, I don't think any road environment eh,
1: nor any road game will ever top Waco in 2019. Is that you or is that the text That's line? me. That's me talking.
5: Yeah. Uh, the only thing is like it's Waco at the end of the day and there's only 45,000 people there. But in terms of the game and the comeback that happened, I mean, the only thing that really rivals that is what we saw in the, in the Cotton Bowl this year. That was such a
1: fun game. And I, I I know a lot of people down there at Baylor, and so uh, I have connections down at Waco, so that maybe that enhanced it for me. But that night game environment, the comeback itself, the atmosphere in, Mc, in McLean Stadium, both from field level and from up in the press box, that was about as good as it's gotten for me. Uh, from the text line, uh, we have some votes for Notre Dame in South Bend. Uh, a vote for 2012. Oh, you at West Virginia, the Tavon Austin game. Really?
5: Huh? I mean, great football game, but. Okay, interesting. That listener says Kenny
1: Stills winning catch on fourth down from Landry, cold as hell, welcoming fans that warmed us up with moonshine.
5: Okay, now yeah. Now I'm <laughs> officially bought into the Morgantown road trip. You can talk me into it. That's all you uh, have to say. Got him over Tennessee in 2015. I figured yeah, that one was going to yeah, be... Yeah, I was hoping no one would say that, just because that's the one that got away from me. Now, I, at the same time, I have been very fortunate to go to a lot of road games, but that's the one that will never be able to get back. And I'll make it to Neyland Stadium someday, but I'll probably never see Neyland Stadium... Like it was that night, and how big of a night it was for OU. That is, if you want to talk about regrets of games that you didn't ever go to, the 2015 Tennessee game is probably that's probably my number one. I would, I would have rather have gone to the 2015 Tennessee game than the 2017 Ohio State game. That was the
1: next one that we were yeah. going to hit on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. A lot of a lot of people say in 2017 Ohio State. And there was a good OU contingent at the shoe that night. There was a
5: huge – what Ohio State fans were saying, they've never seen as many uh, road uh, opposing fans than they saw the weekend that OU fans rolled up there. That's, that's pretty awesome. When OU's got a big-time non-conference game, and this will be true in Lincoln this year, when OU has a big-time non-conference game – against a team or a program that, you know, people around here really respect or it's a destination that you really want to go to that we've never gone to before. They show up in droves, and there's been enough time passed between OU's last road trip to Lincoln. Buddy, OU fans are going to roll, especially with all the excitement within the program now. Oh, dude, OU fans are going to roll up to Lincoln next September. Here's another one, and
1: I really wish OU would end up playing here again at some point in the not-too-distant future. Uh, 2011 Florida State at Doak Walker. See, that one, for me, see, one one side of my family is Sooners and the other side is Seminoles. So, uh, I've never been to a Florida State game. I've never been to Doak Walker. I've been through Tallahassee, obviously, but never been there for a football game, and – I feel like that's an environment that would be a ton of fun on game day.
5: I get a very Texas Tech type of uh, feeling when I think of Florida State fans and Florida State students. Yeah, the remarks I heard from that trip is that, didn't get really get treated all that well out there by Florida State fans, especially ah. the students. Like, Tech students are just mean. I've said several times they're the spawn of Satan. And I feel like Florida State fans are, like, really, <laughs> really, really just mean like Tech fans are. Interesting. Okay, well. Florida State, be- a very fickle fan base as well. When they're not winning, uh, they don't really show up. Mm they got to be winning at a high level for uh, to show up at football games. Reminds you of anybody, OU basketball fans? Mm. Man, too soon. A little close to home. Um,
1: another another uh, listener on the Air Comfort Solutions text line says, Personal best OU road trip, 2008 Washington. Beautiful scenery. UW fans were much nicer than the Oregon
5: fans were two years prior.
1: And OU won big.
5: Yeah, OU won huge that day. I think that Washington team ended up going over for that year. They did. They were 0-12. Yeah, they went O for that year. OU hurt Jake Locker that game, I want to say. I think OU ended the season for Jake. Anyway, they, they, they beat him up. Something happened, um, and yeah, Washington went O for that year. OU rolled that day, but I've heard Husky Stadium in Seattle. They do the sail-gating, much like Tennessee fans do out there in Knoxville, which would be pretty cool. Not nearly as intense of an atmosphere, As maybe Neatland Stadium is with the uh, 100,000-plus rocking, but Husky Stadium still probably one of the more picturesque stadiums in all of college football. Okay, uh, via the text line, last
1: one. Another cool one that needs mentioning is Air Force in Colorado Springs in 2001.
5: So we were in Colorado Springs last month. It's freaking amazing, isn't it? Yeah, like right off the highway, you can see the Air Force Academy, you can see their football stadium. And that is a place, and I know that OU was out there in 01, but that is a place I would love to see a game at, because you've got all the mountains in the background. I can't imagine, like, OU has some pretty cool flyovers here. I can't imagine what the flyovers are uh, for an Air Force football game. That would be sweet. Now, I know that we don't have the uh, greatest experiences here recently, with um <laughs> with the the Air Force game in twenty ten was really tight. The Army game in twenty eighteen was really tight. So the thought of having to prep for the triple option again may bit make everyone nervous, though I'd say with the defensive minded head coach, you uh your chances are a little bit better. Air Force is a sneaky, really good pick. It's really good pick. Colorado Springs is an absolutely beautiful place. Yes. Yes. I, I love Colorado Springs. We go there every year. Hey, um, by the way, speaking of the Jaden Daniels uh, entering in the portal, I, I guess it was a couple of months ago and Arizona State felt really good about getting Spencer Rattler. They thought that they were going to get Spencer uh, Rattler. Um. They were going to get Spencer Rattler. And then Jaden Daniels said, nah, I'm going to come back. And now he's not coming back. So now Arizona State's in a tough spot. And I don't think that this would be a Dylan Gabriel situation where, you know, he left UCLA. And like, it seems like Spencer Rattler's pretty settled out there in Columbia, South Carolina. Yes. I would expect him to play his final final season out there. Yeah, it was, it was Arizona State for Spencer Rattler.
1: It was Arizona State, and then after Jaden Daniels left, it was UCLA, and that was all but set in stone. And then all Austin Stogner got in the mix and Man. said, "Hey, come on to come on to
5: Columbia, South Carolina, and play for Shane Beamer." And I guess that was too good a deal for Rattler to turn down. So. Gotta hurt, Sun Devils. Gotta hurt. Uh, all right, final segment of Locked In coming up next. 651 Six five one thirty four thirty nine. Keep it up on the Air Cover Solutions text line. More to come next. Final segment for Locked In with McComas and Thune. If you have not sent in your happy birthday wishes to Parker on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, you got about six minutes and some change, so you better hurry up, all right? It's Parker's 23rd birthday. Let's all wish him a uh, very good day here. Chapel Supply bringing you this hour of Locked In. I re- I had a, a random memory from a uh, OU road trip that we took as a kid. 2002 at Texas A&M. We ended up parking at a house, much like the houses that are around here in Norman. Um, they had a similar setup at Kyle, around Kyle Field and College Station. And there was a house um, where a few college girls lived, and they had a cardboard sign that says, uh, Please park here. We need money for TP." So, we as OU fans, we (laughs) did. The girls needed money for TP, so I think that we ended up paying 10 or 15 bucks, and they were able to get their toilet paper before the game started. So, don't say OU fans aren't kind people. We parked there just so they could have enough money for TP. How considerate. Yeah, how, how considerate. Uh, we'll get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line before we close things out. I do need to ask you, though, about uh, an offer. <laughs> I thought I, – I made the, the point two weeks ago. I was like, I don't know, Parker. I don't think that we're going to see an OU class with, like, six or seven wide receiver commits. And I still think that that's going to be true, but it seems like every offer that I'm seeing right now the past week is wide receiver and they just offered another four-star wide receiver out of the state of Arizona. Casting a very
1: broad net, no doubt. And uh, Kyler Casper, the latest offer out of Chandler, Arizona, is a guy that's pushing six-six, So he's got size. And it's pretty clear that Jeff Lebby is definitely recruiting a certain type of receiver. Now, Casper is a guy whose father, Kevin, played in the NFL as a wide receiver uh, for several years, was a former walk-on turned great at the University of Iowa. Uh, Now, Kyler dropped his top 10 just a few days ago before the OU offer, so still kind of digging as to how heavily OU will factor into this race, but it's pretty clear. that, and, And here's the other thing we know, right, Tyler, is that all of these offers are takes. So... Brent Venables is willing to pick up the phone and take a commitment from any of these wide receivers if at any point they decide they want to come to the University of Oklahoma. So... These are all guys that every Sooner fan should have their eye on because it's not the type of thing where, oh, you know, that guy has an offer, but OU's not actually pursuing him. No, there's a legit chance that every single guy that has an OU offer right now could be a Sooner.
5: Yeah, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Georgia, Oregon, and a bunch of others for Kyler Casper. His offer list is really impressive. Six foot five, 195. And as you were saying, uh, the staff has a type. The staff definitely has a type when it comes to wide receivers, which is... You know, all the more interesting when we talk about Cole Adams, right? Because I, I think he's a great player. You think he's a great player. But he is not the size and the weight that is going on with all these offers. So I don't know if that's why it's taken OU so long to offer him and why they're probably not going to offer him until he gets on campus. But it's it's an interesting interesting dynamic right now of how they're recruiting wide receivers. Here, well, here's, here's what we do know, though. What does Brent Venables do
1: with the kids he really wants? He offers him in person. Yeah. So, again, I don't know exactly what is going on with the Cole Adams situation. I do know he is going to be on campus soon. OU is very actively recruiting him. If I'm reading between the lines, what I'm anticipating here is that Cole Adams is going to pick up his offer in person from the Oklahoma staff, and if that does happen, I very much expect that Cole Adams is going to be a sooner.
5: Yeah. Uh, Cole Adams, ooh, via Kindle, he tweeted out an Alabama graphic last night, I guess. So uh, watch out. But you, a uh, little optimistic that uh, he could be the next commit for OU. I so mean, to be fair, if, if Nick Saban sent me a graphic, I'd tweet it out too. I would have no shame in doing so. Uh, yeah, 100%. All right, let's, uh, let's hit the text line before we get out of here. Or before you get out of here, I should say. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, a lot
1: of happy birthday texts. Good. Thank you, thank thank you everyone. Thank you. Yes, I'm actually digging through an avalanche of happy birthday <laughs> texts to find, try and find a question. Ooh, uh, one listener says, I can tell you my worst OU road game experience was 2009 versus Miami. Only time I've ever feared for my safety at a college football game.
5: Yeah, Miami fans, um, not not great. There's, an hist- there's a history there with OU. Uh, it's, uh, y- yeah, I, I never had any desire to go to that road game at Miami no thank you and I never will if they ever play again either okay and Peyton brings up a very very good point <laughs> this is maybe
1: the biggest what if of my career covering OU football because you remember they were supposed to go to West Point last year. oh yeah sure and didn't make it because yeah. of COVID
5: I had I'd had that game circled for years yeah, that is uh, that'd be higher. I am a uh, history nerd. I don't I don't know if you know that about me. Uh, pretty much World War II European okay. theater. I'm I'm a pretty big nerd when it comes to that. Tracking so West Point, all over that. I've been to the Naval Academy a couple of times in uh, in in uh, Annapolis, and I I'm not. I, all I'm saying is West Point is the one that I really want to go to. Okay. Driven by the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, but come on, it's West Point. You can't fault me if that's the uh, if, if that's the one I really want to go to. That's the only road trip I wanted that year. Like you can miss me with road trips to Lubbock or Ames. Give me West Point all West day. West Point with the Hudson flowing right behind the stadium there at Mikey Stadium. Oh yeah, man, that's uh, that's college football right there. It'll happen again someday, though. I hope so. Josie Josie will make that happen again someday, I promise you. All right, we're out of here. At least Parker is. Happy birthday, happy 23rd birthday to Parker. The Rush coming up next right here on The Ref.